There are lots of good reasons to go with Sega Saturn instead of Nintendo. We call them games. Sega Saturn has tons of them. Nintendo has just a few. It does beg the question: Do you want to play or twiddle your thumbs? Face it, Nintendo, you weren't worth waiting for. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast. It's high time, beyond time, in fact, for your latest single-platform one-console special. And today we're going to talk all about Sega's Saturn. Welcome to the real world. They told us back in 1994-ish. Joining me in this podcast, my name's Leon Cox, and I'm with Chris O'Regan. Hello, Carl Moon. Hello, and Michiel Croder. Hi. Hi, everyone. So, the Sega Saturn was, of course, uh, Sega's 32-bit console, if you will. Came out in the mid '90s. We'll talk a bit more about the uh, the tech tech specs and all that uh, exciting technical stuff in a bit. But for now, I want you to cast your minds back to the dawn of the Saturn and whenabouts you got on board with it. Were you looking forward to it? What are your memories of the time? And so on and so forth. When did you buy a Saturn, if indeed you did? Or what What happened to you as regards to Sega's little, blacks, little black box with a CD player in it? Mikhail, let's start with you. Um, want to say late two, 2012, maybe early 2013. <laughs> what the hell early were you on doing? The scene. <laughs> I don't want to respond to that, but anyway, come on, please continue, Mikhail. Go on, off you go. Yeah, the Sega Saturn, uh, uh, we had a, a PlayStation and an N60, N64 sure. uh, at home during that generation. And uh, just looking at, you know, the software library that came out, and also, you know, I, I didn't really, we typically, it was already quite a big thing that we had two different machines uh, in the home of, of the same generation. We typically didn't spread out to multiple uh, systems yeah. during one generation. So, uh, yeah, I never thought the Saturn had much to offer me hmm. Uh, hmm. on, yeah, I think these, with the sole exception maybe that I knew of uh, being Guardian Heroes, which looked amazing oh. in CVG magazine. Yes. And I always wanted to play that game um and yeah over the years uh never gave it much thought um maybe you know towards getting my uh my own system uh eventually maybe i started picking up some signals oh yeah it's really good and uh, you know a lot of saturn nostalgia started rearing its head uh but still i, I yeah i didn't really look into it i felt like I'd ha i had enough games to collect for all the systems as well uh and then you know uh, a, a British colleague of mine at Nintendo uh, who has a Japanese wife and he went to Japan often told me about uh, how the Sega Saturn in Japan has such a massive library over there uh, of software, of games that uh, never came out here. Mm. Uh, and a lot of them were great arcade games ports as well of, the, of those days and times, which is, of course, very much my wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, so it... I started looking into it a little bit with more uh, more interest, and but still I've always thought like oh you know what I'll just I'm, I'm I was planning to get an original Xbox with uh, uh, you know a, a hacked one with uh, an, an install uh, maybe a Final Blur or an Alpha on it so I thought like what do I need a Saturn for still you know if I can get all those games that way anyway 
Um, but yeah, I mean, this guy kept on talking to me how it, I couldn't go uh, through life without owning a, at least a Japanese Sega Saturn. And at one point, he, uh, he did manage to talk, talk me into it. So yeah, I think it's early 2013 that he uh, went to visit uh, his uh, in-laws over there. And he came back with one of those creamy white uh, Sega Saturns with a, a colorful uh, white controller with colorful buttons with, me, yes. uh, uh, mm-hmm. with it as well. Uh, he brought a Sega Rally Daytona Circuit Edition, I think. Yep. Uh, Fighters Mega Mix, Virtua Fighter Kids, and uh, Waku Waku 7, and Guardian Heroes, a Japanese copy of Guardian Heroes for me. And yeah, I mean, uh, I've been swayed and I've been collecting for it ever since. And mm. I think if I, you know, the, the, the systems that I go back to that are connected to my old CRTs, it's one that I go back to often. Um, and I think also it is because of many of those uh, amazing arcade ports on it, um, because, you know, my sort of my lifestyle, my time schedule um, often just keeps me in the arcade realm uh, where I have a quick go of this or a quick go of that. So yeah, quick go of a shoot 'em up quick go of a fighting game. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the, uh, the Japanese library for that is amazing. I've picked up quite a, quite a bunch of games over time. I think I'm near 40 now. Of, uh, of copies and it is cool to have let's say you know hard copies of a lot of these games that other, otherwise would just have been rom sitting on uh, on that hacked he- xbox mm. um yeah just you know having a manual with it and some sort of visual memento and just the idea of uh which i always enjoy of actual a physical object being placed into an old console and it just displaying magic on your screen you know when you turn all that uh arcane technology on for sure yeah carl how about you mine happened probably safe to say a little earlier than (laughs) (laughs) um by about 14 years so uh, i it's hard to pinpoint it but it was either my birthday in 97 or or what i think was actually my birthday in 98 um so i'd already I'm pretty sure it was 98 because I'm pretty certain I had an N64 by this point. So you're a, teen, you're a teenager? Or, yes. Yeah. It, well, yeah, it'd be my 14th birthday yeah, um, right. at, the, at this point. And I, obviously I was very aware of the Saturn um, coming up to launch. It's not like it was something that I didn't want. But, you know, I, I, there's no way we can talk about this podcast without actually covering the cost of it at some point. And that was definitely a factor in my decision earlier on, even though I didn't pay for it no. um, when it came to the, the sort of the dual header for Christmas between PlayStation and, and Saturn. And I, I made it quite clear that I was more interested in the PlayStation camp. Um, and this was primarily as a result of the the big hitters that, you know, the real things that Saturn was driving home being the, quote-unquote arcade perfect releases of so many arcade hits um, and being brought up so close to the seaside and by so many arcades and stuff, I I had access to those games. Um, and for that reason alone was the reason I did not chase a Saturn at, um, at launch. But it was like one of those little niggling itches that you get. You know, you just you, you keep trying to scratch it and it just won't go away. And that's kind of what the Saturn was for for a number of years. And... I ended up starting to save some money. I put my birthday money from the year before together, and you know, I ended up getting a, a decent amount of money for for what I believe was my fourteenth birthday. So we'll say nineteen ninety eight. 
and walking into the game in Middlesbrough and umming an hour in between maybe a couple of PlayStation games, uh, maybe an N64 game. And then, you know, the, 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 they just had some new Saturns in and I, I, I just couldn't help myself in the end. And and that was what made me end up going for... for it was one of those, for, for us gamers, kind of Sophie's Choice moments, right? You're in the game shop, you've got all these different offerings um, around you. And I thought, well, now is the time that I really want to get this Sega Saturn. There'd been too many releases by this point that were on TV. You know, you, you'd have like Athlete Kings on Games Master and those kinds of challenges in that kind of game. And, you, you know, you had obviously um, the different sports games, Sega Rally. You had uh, uh, the name completely eludes me now, but Leon helped me out on the football name uh, one. Worldwide. Worldwide. Um, which was a monstrous presence in the arcades at, uh, by this point. And, you know, it, it, I gave in to temptation a little bit. Um, and, and I always wanted to go that way because, obviously, the, the, the 2D fighters that were present on that console um, were always close to my heart. We were, by this point, it was very well known. The, the, the standard um, was better for the, for the 2D games, and I felt like I had to have a console now that, that did something better than my other options of the N64 and PlayStation. Um, and, and, and I just ended up getting swallowed into the world of, of the Saturn way more than I ever expected to, despite wanting it. I think I, I picked it up and I basically didn't play my other consoles for probably a good six months, um, which, you know, given the N64 wasn't that old at this point, uh, was, was a pretty wild turn of events. Um, but yeah, it, it was... Strange, even then, to have not picked up a console near a launch, um, and to have had to wait. Obviously, not as long as Mikel. Obviously, uh, we'll <laughs> that. But three years uh, was was quite a while for me. Um, but yeah, just uh, just a whole heap of emotions, right? When when it came to finally having the money to be able to buy the console that had reduced in sales, and all the games were out. Uh, that that was one heck of a Christmas for me. Yeah, very excited for when the Saturn released. Yeah, I probably said on the PS1 podcast, I can't remember, and I haven't listened back, but I was a little concerned going into the 32-bit era. Obviously, yeah. I was excited in many ways, but I was also such a huge fan of 2D games and traditional video games, pixel art and all that sort of thing. And I was concerned about the sort of the advent of interactive movies and FMV titles and all this kind of stuff. But obviously, I was also aware that at the arcades, pretty much from Sega's own Virtua games onwards 92 93 and then they you know Daytona and things like that um the polygons were becoming a, a significant force and actually you could make amazing looking games with 3D polygons if if they were designed around yeah. that and with that in mind so the idea of having a polygon pushing machine at home was exciting uh, I didn't have the money for a gaming PC, so this was mid-90s, of course. I was in my early 20s, working in a burger bar and renting a flat and, uh, you know, going out for beers and that kind of thing. So I wasn't exactly flush, but uh, Christmas of uh, 95, my partner helped me get a PlayStation 1. I was aware of the Saturn and had been for some time. I remember actually seeing in HMV, they had import PlayStations and Saturns quite near launch, so the previous... Uh, towards the end of 94 early 95 and they were yeah ridiculously expensive and the Saturn was more expensive than the PS1 and I was a little yeah I was a little suspicious of Sony Sony's new entry into the market but obviously I'd seen the hype for Ridge Racer and Tekken and uh, and I wanted to play Doom and all this stuff so uh, the Saturn actually even though I was very fond of my Mega Drive and had a lot of affection for Sega's 
legacy i um i was uh i was happy enough to dive in with the um with the with the with the playstation and uh, and give it a good go in fact it was also partly uh, and i think this is what did for the saturn outside of japan to an extent was essentially you looked at the launch games virtua fighter and daytona put next to side by side namco's conversions for the playstation of ridge racer and tekken and they looked really bad by comparison um and so i was just thinking well is this machine any cop whatsoever turns out it's uh, it was actually more of a 2d powerhouse um also quite capable of um of de- dealing with polygons in the right hands um as we'll talk about when we go into the library later but i ended up it was the it was the sort of the run of games that included sega rally and virtua cop um and virtua fighter 2 the sort of the second wave of sega owned titles that made me realize i saw the reviews in in the magazines and i knew these were arcade close conversions of these mighty mighty coin ops and of course i had to have one so i can't remember exactly how i got the money together this was pre credit cards and stuff so i guess i just saved up for a bit and uh i was still playing my snes and ps1 plenty at this point uh n64 was still some time away in the summer of 96 here uh, so we still had a, a while. I, I had a while to save up for that one. We covered that in a in a N sixty four podcast. And yeah, at some point in the summer of ninety six, I just bought one and and a lot of those big titles and uh, fell in love with the machine and the the strong games on that machine. Ended up playing. We'll talk about the games later, but a ton of stuff. And I've still got that same machine today. Its longevity was enhanced significantly by in nineteen ninety eight. I sent it off to get a full multi-region conversion 60 hertz switch uh and when i got it back it was like opening up a absolute pandora's box of incredible options and choices all these astonishing japan only games with enhanced uh with ram cartridge enhancements and um games that just were too niche or obscure or whatever to come out here all these fighting games and shoot 'em ups and stuff and it just became one of my all-time favorite consoles I don't have a huge library left for it now because a lot of those games I am happy to play elsewhere, like the the Xbox, I can play Radiant Silvergun and Guardian Heroes and things like that. But there are a few games which can still only be played on the Saturn and uh, and they will, unless they suddenly emerge in perfect form somewhere else, I will always need a Saturn in my library. Uh, we'll talk about what those games are later. Uh, Chris, how about you? Very different uh, history for me. So. Mid nineties to late nineties, I just graduated from university. I was doing training, um, and I had a rather powerful PC because I was using CAD with my PC. I was when I, when I was a student, and I carried that on. So I had a kind of a, kind of a beast of a machine, and uh, this meant that I didn't really get involved with the fifth generation until much, much, much later on, um, to the point where. I didn't really miss out, that's not true, but I thought I didn't miss out a lot on what the Sega Saturn had uh, because Sega, for reasons best known to itself, released a lot of like first-party titles on the PC as well, like you know Sega Rally and Panzer Dragoon on Windows 95. It was very strange, but they did. And they worked really, really good ports, you know. Um, and um, so for me, I didn't actually... 
because I was doing my professional exams at the time and I just like, I, I sort of like was focused pretty much on that PC gaming at the, in the late 90s. It wasn't until the early 2000s, there was a period of time between I think the year 2004, 2005 to about 2010, there's like this window of time where retro machines were being thrown away and given away for pennies. This is a well-known fact. And I was in the middle of that because uh, it wasn't until the mid 2000 aughts that I realised that I'd missed out on all this stuff because I thought I was perfectly fine playing games on my PC. And of course I was, you know, I, I, it was great. But I missed out on all these amazing, amazing games. So I had to do some catch-up. I had to do some like, backtracking. So I picked up the Sega Saturn, I think in 2005, something like that, 2004, 2005, for pennies, probably about 25, 30 quid, mm -hmm. I think it yeah. was, and um, with loads and loads and loads of games that were also being sold for 50 pence and things like this. This was that window of time. I didn't realise at the time that's all gone away now as evidence. I went to my local CEX today. Uh, I, I was just looking for... For something, I don't know. I was just wandering. I like wandering around. I never, I don't really buy anything in that place anymore. But I saw a Sega Saturn. You just like the smell. You just like the smell. Yeah, I saw the, I saw the, um, the Sega Saturn there, and they right next to a PlayStation. By the way, it was quite interesting. The PlayStation, the original, like you know, grey box PlayStation, that was thirty quid. The Sega Saturn was a hundred pounds. It's like okay, but no. So that's my history. Is basically learning. Not at the time where the zeitgeist, where everyone was excited and getting this new machine. It was a retrospective action on my part. It was picking up something because I wanted to experience these games that I couldn't. And I, I picked up Panzer, Panzer Dragoon Saga for 30 quid. Yeah. Then that was the most expensive title I bought at the time. Everything else was, you know, Signing Force 3 and that sort of thing. Really, really cheap because everyone was just giving them away because they didn't know. They didn't know. Um, so that's what I just exploited that window of time. I didn't know it was a window. I just thought, well, this stuff's really cheap, awesome games. Why wouldn't I? So I even did. for then, Panzer Dragoon Saga for thirty quid is a, a steal because yeah. I sold yeah, a copy yeah. in in two thousand and one for a hundred quid. Ooh. I think generally people didn't know what they what. what they yeah, were often often yeah. the case. Yeah. And I, you know, it's full copy. It wasn't like you know, um, and I know all four disc work because I finished it within the last week or so. So again. So, um, yeah, it's it's. I'm really happy that I own that. I, it's it's something I'm gonna we'll talk about later. But that's my experience. So I I'm not sure if it's a good or a bad one. It's no good or bad to that. It's just that unfortunately, like I said, my head was deeply into the PC gaming uh, at the time uh, when when it came out, and I didn't pop out until the mid naught. Sorry. So yeah, manufactured by Sega, of course, their penultimate console, to date anyway, uh, began development in 1992, supervised by Hideki Sato, Sega's director and deputy general manager of R&D. The development codename uh, was the Saturn, and it's one of those consoles that ended up being released under its development codename. Uh, it was called the Saturn after the 32X Mega Drive add-on had been codenamed the Neptune, but that came out with the name 32X. Who knows, it might have done better or worse with the name Neptune. Probably equally poorly. Fifth generation console, played CD-ROMs, also supported a bunch of other formats for whatever reason. I don't even know what most of these are. Uh, CDG, CDEG, video CD, I remember those. Mini CDs. Yeah. 
which are just smaller CDs, a photo CD. I don't know what's special about those and ebook. Um, I guess maybe some of those things did come out in some places, maybe in Japan. There were some video CDs and things like that. The CPU was the subject of some consternation uh, over the machine's relatively brief lifespan outside of Japan anyway, because it ran on two Hitachi SH2 processors, each running at 28.6 megahertz with a master slave setup uh, sharing one external 32-bit bust. Bust, <laughs> bust, <laughs> a bus even. Um, according to Kazuhiro Hamada, Sega's section chief for Saturn development during the system's conception, the SH2 was chosen for reasons of cost and efficiency. The chip has a calculation system similar to a DSP digital signal processor, but we realized that a single CPU would not be enough to calculate a 3D world. Although the Saturn's design was largely finished before the end of 1993, reports in early 94 of the technical capabilities of Sony's upcoming uh, PlayStation prompted Sega to include another video display processor, VDP, to improve 2D performance and 3D texture mapping, according to Wikipedia. Uh, the graphics then also ran on uh, two video display processors, one and two. And by all accounts, it was, uh, uh, compared to the PS1 in particular, a massive body ache to make games for hence to the extent that a lot of uh, western games pc ports and ps1 ports didn't even utilize the second processor and ran entirely on the one processor because it was too complicated to get the software to use both uh, hence some ropey ports of things like doom i think and alien trilogy stuff like that um interesting like sony at that point was considered the more and obviously it was desirable because it sold so well and, and again the same with the ps2 generation but then of course uh in the ps3 generation it was sony that had the machine that was a was a massive pain in the ass to uh to actually make games for it's weird how the various uh i mean it, we're, we're probably past it now because the machines are less kind of distinct and they're all effectively running what x68000 kind of effectively pc type setups but back then it was like oh what what interesting custom setup should we have for this machine and it created a lot of issues for i'm sure you've all read the articles from from back in the day um sort of talking about particularly western developers saying we had no idea how to to do this thing sega would send us the libraries but really it was kind of a suck it and see situation and when the ps1 was already coming out the gate yeah. selling so many more copies it didn't make sense for them to spend a lot of r&d time working out how to make the saturn sing in a lot of cases the, the saturn was a really interesting console i actually did a case study on the saturn when i did my games design course at university okay. so um i was there between 2003 and 2007 um mm doing it it was actually just a ba in games design and one of the things is we actually had to look at you know the evolution of systems and where we've come from so by this point we were already you know the ps2 was already you know very successful by this point uh the xbox 360 dropped before i even uh, graduated so actually looking back over on the the previous generation of systems the, the playstation which was obviously was so well known um you know, it kind of hit that cultural zeitgeist again. You know, I think we covered it on that show about, you know, bringing the consoles out of the bedroom into the living room. And, and then you have a, a lot of stories, a lot of hearsay and a lot of, um, 
hyperbole probably around the the the, the Sega Saturn's capabilities. Um, and you, you do hear these stories about it being awkward or difficult, and you know it, it was, but it wasn't seemingly for the sake of being so. Mm-hmm. It was actually what they actually tried to do was incredibly clever, um, and. It, it it's kind of one of those things. On another day, it would have been the success. Yeah. yeah. Um. And it, and it turns out that you know, obviously, uh, we've already mentioned kind of the two D fighters and the things that it was really good at. But actually, digging down in the case study, and uh, you, I'm you know throwing my mind back here quite a number of years. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we're looking nine, clearly between nineteen and sixteen years ago for this university um, course and. Actually, I remember reading into it and, and understanding. Now, this wasn't a computer science course, but it was important to understand it from a design perspective how things worked. And, and actually, a lot of the techniques that the Sega Saturn did that were difficult now are far more common. You know, yeah. obviously, the, the multiple processors. We, we, right. you know, we, we obviously do multiple cores now. We have two lots of VRAM in the Sega Saturn as a way of actually taking the strain off the video rendering sources. Mm. Um, and actually, the thing that really makes... The, the the setup of the Sega Saturn really unique, um, and you could argue it's one of the last ones that, that is a really unique console. In that, you look at something and you know it's a Saturn game, um, because after that we had kind of the Dreamcast, the, the you know the well, I mean obviously the N sixty four was was notable, but I'm looking at it from the period of time that I that I picked it up at um, PS two, you know uh, uh, onwards. You, you might be able to tell, but with the with the Saturn, it was really distinct, and that was the fact that it was hard coded to work in quads and not uh, and not polygons. And actually, doing that from a a three D art design background and how they actually used the VDPs um, in the system was absolutely fascinating because that is where in the game design it was like, and this is how you don't do it <laughs> because there's a reason we still work with triangles rather than quads now. But you know yeah. that that for me seems to be where Saturn really missed the mark. You know, everything yeah. else it did was really clever from a tech perspective. Sure. And yes, as we saw from in-house development studios and certain third parties, they they could do absolutely marvellous things oh, with, yeah. it, with with uh, with the skill and, and the investment in doing it. Uh, just to finish up the tech specs, it had two megs of RAM with one and a half megs of video RAM, half uh, a meg of sound RAM. There was a there was an uh, extended RAM cartridge available as well. Of course, uh, internal RAM was CR two hundred three two battery backed. So if like me, you still keep your old console, you'll turn it on and it will say, "We don't know what the time is anymore because the CR two hundred three two long since died." Uh, so you'll need to put another one of those in. Uh, and yes, your uh, you could also buy a, a memory uh, cartridge first or third party. Recommend first party. Uh, for saving particularly if you want to save your uh, sega rally ghost times on uh, and the sound was all handled generated by yamaha ymf 292 sticking with the yamaha after the mega drive i think just want to go back a little bit to the the this, the, the, the whole custom chip stuff and how complex it was and also what you're listing out there are the different sort of specs and different types of ram sound ram Okay, that's that's that sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is there any merit to the discussion that maybe, or the concept that maybe, did, might be related to the fact that Sega did have an active arcade department division, which I fully appreciate may have had nothing to do with the creation of Saturn, 
but it may have something to do with it because the, maybe the sensibilities or the strategies or concept of of arcade um, game development where the game drives the hardware. Um, it's was, it's was really that... interesting because in the yeah. arcades, uh, Sega was really pushing 3D hard, you know, That's with it. the most advanced hardware. Their, their uh, Model 2 uh, boards, for example, far outclass Namco's, uh, yeah, sort of PlayStation PlayStation based architecture. Uh, mm. with, so that's why it's so interesting that this decision to let the Saturn do 3D, and of course, I'm overly simpl- simplifying it, is kind of kind of baffling almost, you know, like mm. where, yeah. you know, in the past they were always trying to, um, yeah, keep that link between home games and arcade games as well. Who knows if, if they'd managed to. If they'd spent longer and they'd and they'd already got to grips more with the Saturn when they finished Daytona, it was a it was a very rushed release. You know, famously yeah. slow frame rate, loads of pop in, mm. um, and it just ended up looking poor. So obviously, Sega had always used its home consoles to get its um, its arcade games into into homes and and to sell the games off the back of that. Yeah. But of course, Sony <laughs> tied up a exclusivity deal with namco who were flying at that time as well and even though as bikil rightly says sega's arcade boards were more powerful it was easier or namco were extremely skilled at making near one-to-one looking i mean they weren't as always but they were they looked damn close to the to the layman Um, exactly if you were if you were looking at ridge racer at home versus or tekken versus the arcade machine whereas if you looked at Daytona side by side with the arcade machine, it was yeah. distinctly inferior on the Saturn. Yeah. Um, obviously, they 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 went a long way to atoning for that with an astonishing, again, not arcade perfect, of course, but an astonishing Sega Rally port and yeah. amazing ports of Virtua Cop and Virtua Fighter Two. But I think that those early impressions, combined with the stunts that we we'll, we're about to talk about as around the launch, kind of. Um, sort of put early nails in the coffin in terms of market share didn't it yeah Mm. stephen cookson from our patreon says it's a shame sega of japan made a complete hash of the launch and rushed it out to a market that wasn't ready of course sony's price stunt blew everyone away but sega should have stuck to their guns and not let it phase them failing to release a proper sonic game of course was hugely damaging especially when they needed all the help they could get to stand out then again looking at the games that were planned maybe we dodged a bullet there so yeah, the machine was launched in Japan on November the 22nd, 1994, arriving in May in North America, 1995. What went down, both Sega and Sony, uh, basically they, they each had a stunt um, <laughs> lined up and <laughs> one of them went down rather a lot better than the other. So in March 1995, Sega of America... CEO Tom Kalinske announced that the Saturn would be released in the US on Saturn Day, Saturday, September 2nd, 1995. However, Sega of Japan mandated an early launch to give the Saturn an advantage over the PlayStation. At the first E3 in LA, May 11th, 1995, Kalinske gave a keynote presentation in which he revealed the release price of US dollars 399, including a packed-in copy of Virtua Fighter, and described the features of the console. Kalinsky also revealed that, due to, quote, high consumer demand, Sega had already shipped 30,000 Saturns to Toys R Us, Babbage's Electronics Boutique and Software, etc. for immediate release. That sounds really exciting, right? Well, 
The, the announcement upset retailers who were not informed of the surprise release, including Best Buy and Walmart. KB Toys responded by dropping Sega from its lineup. Uh, so, yeah, lead balloon with some of the biggest retailers in America there. Sony subsequently unveiled the retail price for the PlayStation. Olaf Olafsson, the head of Sony Computer Entertainment America, summoned Steve Race to the stage, who said $299 and then walked away to applause. <laughs> it was a mic drop moment. So, yeah, yeah. they undercut the Saturn by 25% and Saturn annoyed some of the largest retailers in in the US with its uh, sort of stealth launch situation. Mm. 30,000 consoles across North America. That's a tiny, tiny amount though, isn't it? Is it really a launch? I suppose, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a weird it sort is. of soft, soft stealth launch. But of course, you would have thought, like if if it was if it was you or I today, and a and a console a con a major console manufacturer did that, yeah, we'd be clawing each other's eyes out to get to those one of those thirty thousand, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know the hardcore gamers and all that. Yeah, so yeah, I guess yeah, that was yeah. the idea, but. Um, yeah, really yeah, there's definitely been a shift, hasn't there, in, in yeah. terms of the, the the gaming industry? And you know, I mean, this is so Sony's playbook one hundred and one, right? Wait, yeah. Let the let the other manufacturer go first, undercut them, release to applause. <laughs> yeah. They did yeah. the exact same thing with the PlayStation Four, mm, um, yeah. and you know they've True. taken advantage of poor launches before and suffered at the hands of bad launches themselves. So yeah, you know yeah. the the fact that Sega had so few consoles had such a PR disaster, yeah, and then launched a console where it's flagship games looked notably worse than the arcade equivalents on PlayStation, it genuinely doesn't seem like it could have gone much worse for Sega at, at, yeah. at launch from, from the Sega Saturn. You know, and I, I, these, this is, again, one of the reasons why I found it very easy to side with PlayStation early on, despite oh, yeah. it being Sony's first ever console. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. um, yeah it is frustrating when you when you see the, the way that the, the Saturn was handled. I mean, that, that yeah. price point was just... I, I remember that that was like a worldwide lead balloon wasn't it when it when when they released it because i just remember reading the magazines and you know obviously i, I used to buy them all you know multi-format um the playstation ones and, and the playstation ones would be laughing the multi-format ones are saying this is ridiculous and the sega ones would be saying well there's still hope because it is a great console and sega have legacy <laughs> um yeah. you know try trying to trying to back it all up but the damage was done so the thing is also, it's very interesting what you said, Leon, about people would be clawing each other's eyes out right now to get to those 30,000 machines. This was in a time before uh, the PlayStation had truly and well launched. And yeah. uh, now adults are buying um, consoles for themselves. Yeah. Uh, back then, it was still much more of an environment where you would buy a console for your children. You know? yeah. It was still True. a kid's toy. And yeah, th there was the age-old uh, age old consideration, of course, like, why do you want a new console? You yeah. still have your Mega Drive or you yes. have your Mega CD or what of have course. you. Yeah. We bought you a 32X three months ago. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I remember having this conversation on the PlayStation show, and it was kind of at this whole launch attitude towards things, and it, and it definitely steeped on what you were talking about there, Mikhail, about the, the, the audience that was buying these consoles. Mm. And I remember the thing... So this still lives with me today, is that when Sony's advertising department are, are on form, they are just sort of unmatched in the gaming space, you know, whether it's for the players or uh, the third place. And then the, mm. my very favorite one, you know, was uh, the whole Saps campaign and, and 
don't underestimate the power of PlayStation. And it, it was just a, a, a siren call to the audience that had had the consoles bought to them that this is the console that you will be buying as your for, first adult purchase. Yeah. Yeah. And they absolutely ran with that. And the lineup of games for the PlayStation showcases that. Mm-hmm. And Saturn went to the kind of Sega tried and tested. You know, we've had these duels with Nintendo and some people like the, uh, the Super Nintendo and some people like the Mega Drive, but, you know... Let's get you in. Let's get you the next iteration of that, and you know the the whole kids advertising of the parents will buy these for the kids and stuff. And it was like that audience was buying the console for themselves. And one of the manu- one of the manufacturers was basically saying, "We're we're looking at you as adults. We're going to treat you like adults. Buy this one." And the other one was like, "Children play games." It was just it, the whole thing was so bizarre, mm. um, and it just it absolutely sort of just missed the target by by a lot, the advertising campaign for Sega, to the point that I actually had to go and look up what their TV advertising campaigns were for Sega, for the Saturn, but I still remember all the Society Against PlayStation ones. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. It's obvious looking back now, but we're, we're talking about the Sega Saturn in this show, ostensibly, but I don't know about I know you listeners who've figured this out, but we've been saying the word PlayStation almost immediately afterwards. Yeah, and and mm. it's you know uh, it's a little bit disservice to the machine, and we will don't worry everyone, we'll, we'll be focusing laser focused on the machine itself very very soon. But yes, it's just you can't not talk about this machine without the context of its main rival yeah, at the exactly. time. It it was part of its story from its outset. It was like the, the PlayStation, which as far as everyone at the time. It's really hard to imagine, but at the time, mm. Sony were not seen as a video game company in any way. They were just hi-fi and really good TVs. Okay, they made some games, Sony. Yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah, yes, that was pretty much yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but pretty much it was just, and that was the, and there was a little bit of some more than a little bit of hubris on the part of, of Sega here, going, "Well, we're Sega, of course we can charge what we like. Yeah. They're going to buy this stuff," and that may have been the case if Sony hadn't stepped up and the, the whole debacle with them and Nintendo didn't break down. You know, yeah, true you know alternate realities and all that stuff. Both of those but, covered uh, in those podcast yeah, shows yeah, as well. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's... it, But, yeah, it's a fascinating thing. That it we really is. It really is. And speaking as someone who didn't really witness it, even though I was alive and you know, an adult, growing, you know, in my late 20s at the time, I was, like I said, not really witnessing going on because I wasn't paying attention uh, because I was too busy playing... PC games. That's fine. But just looking back at it now, what a fascinating story that a console's only ever seen in the light of another one. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Well, yeah, I, I, you make a good point. And yes, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll, we'll bring the Saturn out from under the PlayStation's shadow. But I, yeah, it is, as you say, it's, it's impossible not to talk about it in terms of the context of the launch and the impact that the PlayStation had on the Saturn's uh, public perception and things like that. So, yes, it arrived in the EU July 8th, 1995. So, yeah, it was, it was out a year before I before I bought mine, pretty much. We have Evil Ninja Phil from our forum who says, Take I, got, up. I got my Saturn for <laughs> Christmas in 1995. I think the first and indeed last Christmas where it was a viable contender to the PS1. I was heading into the last six months of my GCSEs, coming off a period of ill mental and physical health, and I loved my Saturn. 
By the end of 1998, I was in the first year of college. Now I had a Saturday job, a PS1, an N64 and Championship Manager 9798 on PC. So the Saturn was a bit dusty on the shelf, starting to be forgotten. So when one of my new college pals said that he just borrowed a Saturn, I talked it up and then asked if he wanted to borrow some games. Among the games I lent him were Mass Destruction, Virtua Fighter 2, Fighters Megamix, Worms, Street Fighter Alpha 2, Marvel Super Heroes, Saturn Bomberman, Knights with the Controller, Virtual On, Guardian Heroes, Panzer Dragoons Y and Panzer Dragoons Saga. Several weeks later, he dropped out of college. <laughs> this, this being the very late 90s, there was no social media you could hunt people down with. We had mobiles, but he didn't respond to any texts or calls. He simply vanished, gone like Kaiser Soze. My Saturn collection was gone. At the time, I was a bit blasé because the other machines and games I had, hell, the Dreamcast will be out next year and anyway, I'll just buy the games again. But as time ran on and as the value of some of those Saturn games exploded in the early days of eBay, I realised what I'd lost. Every now and then, I think about rebuilding this collection, but then I price it up and I wince and put those dreams away again. The Saturn remains my favourite console, the only one I kept until now but those memories are tinged with sadness at what I lost. That's a tearjerker. That is really. heartbreaking. Just, uh, yeah, just don't. Yeah, I've, uh, over the years, I must confess, I've suffered similar fates of mm. loaning a game out, not never it's to see business. it again. You just, yeah. So, I mean, uh, I, I managed to, the ones I did lend out, I very quickly replaced uh, for, for fear of that happening, but I didn't do it to, um, yeah. Th these things happen, and I, I really feel for you. Really do. Yeah. Uh, I once had to track down somebody that borrowed my GameCube and all my games, uh, and he was about to migrate to Australia. I tracked him day. I tracked him down on the day of his moving. <laughs> That's why you went to Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the machine was discontinued in the EU just three years after it launched, 1998, also in North America. In Japan, it lived on for another couple of years until the year 2000. Lifetime sales for the console, 9.26 million. By comparison, the previous generation's Mega Drive or Genesis had sold 45 million. And the PlayStation 1 again, there it is, sorry, it sold 102 million units. <laughs> Uh, so 10 times, yeah. Let's talk about the box. The little black or grey box, depending on what you got. There were, As we say, there were, there were some other models as well, some see-through ones and some white ones. Um, I still have mine. It's one of the earlier ones with the elliptical buttons. There was only one sort of major change to the aesthetic. Well, it's not, it wasn't even major. Uh, visible change to the externals which was the switch from um elliptical buttons to round buttons and a slight change to the uh, eject button in the front center um i always thought it was a you know not a beautiful thing but a cool looking functional mid-90s set-top box it it had I, I guess it reminded me a little bit of the 3do which had been around a few years before mm. um it's kind of it's all right but it's, it's big right it's pretty really chunky. big. Pretty yeah, chunky. Yeah. I mean, it's no I, Xbox. I was shocked the, the, one, the first time I saw it sitting next to the Dreamcast. I was thinking, wow. It's pretty quiet. I mean, it, it has, it's an pretty big. has an audible fan. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's, fa yeah, it's fairly sizable compared to the PS1. It was bigger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, it's, I think it's the largest Sega, set, Sega console they ever made. Because yeah. you think about it. 
yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, not if you include the Mega Drive with the 32X. Yeah, not if you include <laughs> the, 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 the Sega Multi Mega. Let, yeah, let's, yeah, not, yeah. let's not, you know, be negative to the Tower of Power. Come on, you're getting really <laughs> angry emails then. But um, and I just realised the the Mark One Sega Master System is quite long. Yeah. Um, but uh, not as no, chunky. I'm, just, I'm looking at my Saturn now. It's on a shelf with a Mega Drive sitting on top of it. Irony there. And uh, yeah, because it's in my Sega shelf. Of course it is. And uh, yeah, it is a sizable beast, but it's not un- unattractive at all. I actually like the lines and the curves yeah. to it. I mean, I've got a Mark II, so I've got the circular buttons and things. Yeah, but, uh, that's right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, I, I think it's quite aesthetically pleasing. It, it was inoffensive because it was black. It could sit in a unit. You didn't see it. Yeah. Um, the PlayStation was obviously a little bit more standouty. But mm-hmm. what you know, if we're if we're talking about you know what what the Sega Saturn did better, it didn't need to be turned upside down about a year into its life. This is true. Yeah. It's a very good point. It's um, mine uh, has developed one issue, although it developed it a very long time ago, which is that it doesn't always read the cartridge that's in the, the yes. slot. The cartridge slot is a little bit wonky. Yeah, yeah I think that's a common yeah. error for them breaking. Yeah, um, but other than that, as far as I know, it still works absolutely hundred percent. The only thing is the the stupid CR two hundred three two battery backed memory means that if you don't use it all the time you inevitably every time you fire it up you need to dig out another another old cell battery to whack in there <laughs> there, there, is um, a, there is a little design flaw to it um yeah leaning a bit to my day job here but if you put a little bit too much pressure when you put a disc in mm. there's a wrist that will actually press down on the lens or the lens mechanism right just linked to the actual engine or the, the, turn, yeah. the spindle yeah. and i actually found mine actually were was pressed down too much for mm. no fault of my own over time and fatigue and I actually had to open it up and re, re you oh, know, okay. reassemble it oh, okay. and bring it back so it wasn't it's not the end of the world but just be careful if you have one press those this press lightly hard. just, just yeah. very very lightly yeah. let it clip in let the ball little little clip just let it drop in and then it, and you're golden my um, my fear but, is yeah. that actually the the cd based games will degrade before the console does at this point yeah uh, there's a disrupt. solution for that but we'll talk about it later <laughs> but uh yeah uh there were yeah not too many variations to talk about mikhil you said you uh is yours is yours the white one or yeah mine is yeah. the white one yeah okay well, that's yeah. you know that's With, cute gives it uh, yeah, a very different look and gray buttons yeah yeah it looks really nice and it does look nice sitting on the same shelf as a dreamcast right next to it you know, yeah sort of similar continuity coloring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what else was there? There was also the uh, high, uh, the Hitachi high satin, um, which had a which has a different logo on the front. Um, but yeah, there was the this is cool model, which literally is sort of um, tinted see through plastic. Yeah. Uh, ashy ash sort of ash tray color <laughs> um, with this is cool in um, like uh, I mean that is some of the most try hard marketing. But yet they were actually completely right, in my opinion. Uh, you could also get a Derby Stallion um, of all the games uh, to to have a, a, an official console of Derby Stallion. But um, those Japanese horse racing games were pretty massive in uh, in that territory. So then you fire it up and uh, the I posted a little gif in our chat that we're recording this show on and uh, and Chris commented. I didn't think you could hear GIFs uh, and I knew exactly what he meant straight away yeah. because as soon as you see that animation with all the little polygons 
shimmering about in the air and spinning around and flying together to form the Sega Saturn logo, you hear the audio jingle that goes with it. My thought, I suppose, is that it was never as, you know, kind of futuristic sci-fi cool as the PlayStation and, and it didn't have that same brow that, we, yeah. you know, you got when you turn on the PS1. But it had a it had a nice sense of interest and fun and uh, intrigue about it. I like the the smashing of the polygons and the, the I mean the, the just here's a machine that celebrated its two D heritage and yet <laughs> for the very when you turn it on it throws around a bunch of well you know shapes uh, as shatters and then it goes and then it solidifies into the logo of. Sega Saturn, uh, it's just beautiful. I do. It's very warm and comforting to turn on. I know a lot of people have a lot of affection, uh, affection to the PlayStation One, as do I. But I do find the um, the uh, just warm and fuzzy and sort of like um, I'm 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 pretty amazing, but I'm not you know too aggressive. Yeah. That's what I'm I getting miss, the impression. Sorry, I miss startups in general. Yeah, yeah well, consoles are too fast now. Yeah, I don't know. No. Let's get rid of the SSDs. I I miss the GameCube startup of the of the rolling block. You know, <laughs> I, mean, I miss the PlayStation. I it, miss it's the so Saturn. bad. You're right. It's so bad that the PlayStation Five. Sorry to go off on that, but there's a startup you only see once in its yeah, entire right. life. Yeah, only once. Yeah. I did see it myself. I'm happy to say, but you only see it once. You never see it again. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Now it's just like boom. I'm on. Come on, let's go. Come on, let's go roaming around some weird field. Come on, go. But you're right, Carl. It's uh, we, we I miss those. And the Saturn's sort of control panel had a sort of slight retro sci-fi feel about it, to it the did, extent yeah. that there's a little polygon spaceship that flies around if you listen to CDs. Yeah, which was great. I mean, it's I, cute, right? It I like it a lot. It's it still makes me chuckle seeing it fly. It's a rubbish spaceship, really. But you know, it's not not you know, it's it's, it's a bit it's a bit button moon like, and it's yeah, aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it I know what you mean. Was. It's a it clunky was. old clunky old thing. Um, there was. Do you remember the? I think there was an April Fool in possibly in CMVG, which said that if you yeah. entered various button combos and stuff, you could get the afterburner sh- uh, plane and all this other stuff come up. Not true, sadly. No. Oh, April Fools. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, funnily enough, we don't really have a um, CD player in a home anymore. Uh, no. and my uh, daughter recently uh, bought a copy of uh, um, Stardew Valley for the PS4 yeah. uh, with a soundtrack CD, and she was asking me how can she listen to it. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, all right, let's just uh, put it in the Sega Saturn <laughs> and turn on the TV. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, she was listening to the music with uh, the, on the Bang & Olufsen uh, TV, which has decent speakers. And uh, yeah, looking at the, at that spaceship, that's nice. Yeah. And the the controller, the pad, the standard one. Well, there were two standard ones. Uh, there was a US and EU model, which has uh, just slight little prongs, not the full size prongs of the uh, of the PlayStation controller. And the D pad is more of a like a rocker. I don't know. I don't know how you call it, but it has a sort of concave indentation. Mm. The Japanese pad, which later uh, arrived elsewhere as well, is um, is more of a traditional, uh, slightly smaller controller. Um, I've got some of each. Uh, basically, my 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 machine came with. It was still early enough that it came with the 
with the US EU model, um, which they're fine, they're okay, but I but yeah. generally I prefer the D pad on the um, on the smaller Japanese style ones. Yeah, oh. you 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 don't really hear that many conversations about the preference on the aesthetic of the consoles, right? Between the elliptical buttons versus the round buttons, but you definitely do between the Gen One and Gen Two controllers mm. for the for the Sega Saturn. There's actually quite um, because last year I started to look at trying to buy a Sega Saturn, and kind of as Chris has already mentioned, they're not cheap anymore, especially mm. if you want one with a decent box and a, a decent set of games, which I, I did. Um, and you know, I would bid up to about two hundred and fifty quid for some relatively small collections. It was the whole going back and forth about the controllers and which ones, you know, potentially last longer. And I ran into so many conversations of people that were, you know, you're wrong. The Gen 1 controller is definitely better than the Gen 2 controller. And, you know, it's just wild that that's where the discourse seems to be in terms of preference. Um, I'm not keen on the first generation European ones at all. Um, the shoulder buttons, principally, that bother me the most. Oh, Both yeah, little, there is that, yes. little mm. rocker that you don't know if they're being pressed or not. Not entirely mm. sure. Whereas yes. in the second generation ones, they did. And they're clicky. Clickier. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's also some, I'm not sure if we got to that stage, maybe we talk about it later, Leon, apologies, but there are some aftermarket um, devices that recently revived, like there's the Retro Fighter con- controller, yep. which, sure. which I have, um, uh, which is a merger between... Mega Drive and the uh, Saturn, and you can plug it into both machines, not at the same time, obviously, that'd be weird. And uh, yeah, it's that's much better. It's basically modern design sensibilities on, on these machines, and honestly, I would highly, highly recommend getting hold of one of those, because mm. they just make life a lot. They, have, they basically take the little shoulder, not the little shoulder things, they have prongs, and they put those on, and they, the shoulder buttons are actually really proper shoulder buttons, and it has a an built-in analog stick. It's all good. Mm. Um, so uh, yeah, I would highly recommend getting some aftermarket sort of retro fighter stuff. Really, yeah, I still really need a, f- yeah. a few more to get myself up to the full ten for the uh, for the ten player Bomberman. So I, I should investigate that. Mm. Uh, ten player Bomberman party when? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's gonna happen uh, when you come over to to the UK. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Cookson from our Patreon says the controller ranks as my favourite of all time. I even bought a replica one for my PC as the D-pad is still perfect for fighters and 2D sprite games. Mm. There you go. Oh, we, there's also the arcade stick as well. And the yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk about we'll, the rest of the there's peripherals. There's a lot, about those <laughs> a lot of peripherals. We, we've got, yeah, we'll do, we'll do peripherals. Very good. Sorry. Keep my powder dry. So video output wise, uh, I believe we were still, I'm sure we were still in the era when your console came in, certainly in the UK with an antenna RF connector only. I remember going and buying a uh, an official Sega Saturn RGB SCART, which massively, massively enhanced the picture to a ridiculous degree. I was, I probably talked about this on the PS1 podcast, but I was that evangelist who went around all my friends saying, why are you using the cable that came in the box with the console? Go and get a SCART lead. They're like five pounds, not 90 pounds like the Sony Center want you to believe. Um, And and you can make your your console sing um, visually. Um, I remember, though, when I sent off my Saturn to be modded, uh, I sent it to CEX when they used to do such things and weren't just a sort of smelly mobile phone um laundering <laughs> center um they had a an actual center where you could get consoles modded and things like that so i sent off 
my Saturn, my, my treasured, beloved Saturn to get modded because I was reading Sega Saturn magazine and they were talking about all these incredible games that you could only play in Japan. And that's when I, it had to be done even and and also the the 60 hertz rocker so i wasn't stuck with with pal borders and speeds anymore when they sent it back though after and it was an extended period and and i don't know what happened but they weren't very good and eventually it came back it came back with the um with the power button wedged down uh which was um which caused some panic managed to sort that out it came back with the cables that i'd included in the box missing um i probably shouldn't have sent them so yeah, I had to go and source another power lead and another SCART lead, which I'm still using to this day. Although, of course, uh, not all modern TVs have a SCART socket in them. So <laughs> um, yeah, that's one of the, the issues I need to address when I finally get a uh, some kind of CRT or PVM or whatever else. Mm. Um, but yes, uh, I can't remember what other video outputs, the options there were for the Saturn, but RGB SCART was always my preference. I mean, they, it did come with an RF thing, didn't it? <laughs> And, uh, yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But um, I think composite, of course, isn't it? Yeah, it's composite RF, so it's just. I think yeah, they did yeah. change to a bundled in SCART. Did towards they? the end of its life? Really? Because right. I I seem to remember mine coming treat. with a with a SCART lead when oh, I was wow, up okay. in ninety eight. But right, um, I, that that's just a memory. I might be entirely wrong, but mm. I'm pretty certain it did. It's not impossible, but uh, yeah, such things were. It was a rare treat to actually have your console come with a, a decent video out option back in those really days, which was, is yeah. insane. The more I think about it, the more insane it is. Yeah. I mean, oh. my I currently put it through my OSSC uh, upscaler, which is yeah, a wonderful course, device. Yeah. If, if you haven't got a CRT, you get that, the next best thing. It, it does a really, really good job yeah. removing all the latency. It's fantastic. But the, yes. The these days, and you, unfortunately, you can get various lovely scanline options as well if you want. Yeah. 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 Lovely. Yeah, I... I think I I even had to get a um, an RGB SCART lead for my Saturn when I got it because the cables that the Japanese cables that it came with uh, wouldn't display anything but uh, rolling lines yeah. and uh, <laughs> and gray imagery on my yeah. screen. Yeah, so I ordered one online uh, from a, a UK uh, retailer. Yeah, indeed. But I remember the the output once I had the the RGB SCART lead, which was very early on. Um, being on my whatever I had then a, a four three aspect ratio Toshiba I think like a twenty five inch CRT which was very nice and I remember the games just looking absolutely gorgeous sensational bright sharp and yeah. uh, and crisp as I say of course we were still in the era of regional lockout uh, there wasn't a simple solution to playing import games you couldn't just grab a an import copy of whatever and whack it in your console there may have been some I don't know, action replay or cartridge type solutions, but I went for the the actual, the mod. There's actually a little switch in the back of the cartridge slot that you press uh, to cycle between the different regions. And then it's simply got a rocker switch on the back, which flips it from PAL to 60 hertz. And there's a few PAL games that don't run properly if you if you try to run them in 60 because they've been somewhat optimized. So you end up with uh, games that are too fast or uh, over over scan the screen and that kind of thing. Um, but yes, I would say um, if you do, if you if you are inspired by this show to get involved in the world of Saturn, I would say a 60 hertz option is kind of essential to get the best out of the machine. Pal only is not a happy situation. Let's talk about those add-ons and peripherals and various things. Chris, uh, you mentioned the arcade stick. There's an official Sega Saturn arcade stick 
Yeah, there's two, um, well, three contemporary um, like peripherals that were released at the time. But let's talk about the arcade. It's really good. Um, it has a very responsive um, joystick, which is vital for that. Um, I find it works both very well with fighters, but also shmups. And um, it does have the turbo buttons, the unique speed, like auto yeah. fire for each each button. And uh, it's not too big, and it rests quite well. It's got very nice contour, so when you rest your hands on it, it's not, you know, it's really well. I, I, it's one of my favourites out of all the Really? To see, I, I had one of these, um, but I actually sold it because I thought it was pretty terrible. Um, mm. uh, uh, the, 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 the stick itself was very spongy. It felt like leaf rather than micro switches. The uh. buttons were quite sticky. Um, and oh, I not should very... have mentioned I have refurbished it. I should have said well, that. That's probably going to make a slight, a slight, 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 slight deviation yeah. there. I should have. I should have added actually. mine is completely aftermarket. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's, yeah. it's not aftermarket, <clears throat> but it's, it's. I haven't put Sanwar stuff into it. I don't think you can. Maybe you can, but um, no, no, I, I, did, I don't think I did, so. I did, I did dive into it and clean everything out and do, do all the contacts and stuff. It's probably yeah, that probably helps. Like probably why it behaves like that. I kind of like it. But uh, apology, well, you did not. Is, is, am I alone in this assessment because I did the thing? <laughs> Anyone else have them? No. Guess, no. Guess not. No, my arcade stick solution, but that goes across multiple um, of course. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. systems. It's this uh, yeah, retro Bat 32 Frankenstein thingy. monster. Yeah, Frankenstein yeah. monster that yeah. uh, sort of translates any input yeah. to the output of the console. I would say yeah. that's a good way forward. Uh, I don't know how much the the actual the satin arcade sticks are. Yeah, it was a nice. I agree with you, Chris, on the size and the form mm. factor. Very pleasant, but the sticks and buttons were below par um, yeah. compared to my say my Namco stick for the PS One, which are the yellow and grey one. Which oh, I they're still, wonderful. Which they I still wonderful. use. Me too. Uh, the other probably the most famous uh, controller would be the the. the simply known as the 3d controller often uh, colloquially called the knights controller uh, which i got with my copy of knights had a d-pad which was a slightly different configuration to the other standard pads but also included uh it's kind of a nub rather than an analog stick uh, but it worked beautifully for knights and it also a few other games supported it some of the driving games and stuff like that you could get analog control out of had the usual six buttons, uh, six button layout, three above, three below. So perfect for uh, Street Fighter, Capcom style fighting games as well. Pretty comfy to hold and form the basis for the Dreamcast controller that would come next. Yeah, it um, also had triggers on the shoulders. Yes, Yay! analog so triggers, yeah. Feel like that. And uh, also, have you ever done this? You know you can actually detach the front cable from it. Yes, you can, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's apparently, I think... There's some conjecture about they were going to put some more third yeah. or some add-ons to it to make mm. it like fishing reels. I don't know. Stuff. Yes, I did wonder about that, but um, <laughs> yeah, makes storage quite a little easier anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, worth getting one of those, especially, I mean, there's lots of ways to play Knights these days, but if you mm -hmm. want to play it on its original format, you'll want one of those because playing it with the D-pad doesn't really work. No. Yeah, that controller is an absolute... When, when you play with a 3D controller... Knights is like a it's transformed it, it, it really does transform yep. the experience of yeah, playing yeah. um that game uh i was so when i picked up the saturn the knights being available was one of the key ones because they would show it on game shows and it always felt like one of those games where you never really knew what was happening or what was going on with it 
Um, and and that was one of the big things that swung me over to buying it, and I was able to buy it with that controller. Um, but I threw the game on after playing some others, tried it with a normal controller, and I was like, I just don't get this. This just does not. This this is weird. You need like, to, why is this popular? You need to be able to move more than eight ways. That's the yeah the exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Change yeah, change yeah. the controller over, and suddenly, yeah, loved the game. Loved it uh, after that. As with the PS One, the Sega Saturn got a mouse. Uh, I never had one of these. I did have a couple for the PS1, but it actually worked with a number of point-and-click games, things like uh, Dark Seed, and uh, also worked with uh, Discworld, and it also worked with some light gun games like uh, Die Hard Trilogy. Uh, you could even use it with um, uh, uh, with in conjunction with the, the official Sega Saturn keyboard on Duke Nukem 3D, which I didn't know. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know how easy, common, expensive these peripherals are. I would imagine the use cases are fairly limited. Anyone sourced mouse and keyboard for Saturn? No. God, I had a mouse for my uh, PlayStation. There it is again. Sorry, everyone. But not the Saturn. I I did not know that it existed until last year when I was actually looking at bundles to buy them. And someone did actually have the mouse and keyboard bundle um, on one of their Saturns. And it was kind of one of those things where I was like, huh? I had no idea it was a thing. I didn't even... I, I tried to think about what games you'd be able to play using it. And, I, you know, obviously I thought maybe some of the classic 3D f- uh, FPS games. But mm. other than that, it, it did feel like a, a bit of an oddity. It wouldn't get a lot of use. <clears throat> a lot of peripherals were oddities um, sure. in, in the 32-bit era, of course. Yeah. There's Command and Conquer. It might have worked on that. Um... Oh, yeah. Don't know, it though. was, Don't it know. was on the um, it, actually on the PS One. It was only the second. It was only Red Alert Retaliation that used mouse. I think. I don't right. think they even put mouse support in the original Command and Conquer. So no, and it's not on the list of mouse supported games That's on the Saturn. So. Weird, kind of obvious. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Yeah, uh, the arcade stick was also there. Was also a Virtua stick, which I'm sure only came out in Japan. This was uh, based on the the arcade cabinet stick. And looks much more like the uh, the Dreamcast arcade stick or the uh, the Hori EX for the Xbox 360. You might be familiar with, um, and I suspect uses more arcade like parts than the the arcade the Saturn arcade style stick. So you, uh, if you can find one of those, I imagine they're cost of fortune now. I don't know, um, but that would probably involve less uh, home DIY than buying the arcade stick and doing whatever. Uh, whatever Chris did to it. There was the uh, <laughs> Sega Saturn Mission Stick, which was a sort of flight yoke controller. Um, and again, I don't actually know, I'm afraid, what games that was compatible with. I guess there were a few flight games, often popular in Japan. Um, I don't remember that being released outside. Also, the the Twin Stick, uh, which I'm sure Mikhail would like to add to his collection because this is the uh, this is your virtual on controller basically also work with a couple of gun down games and a gun griffon game but it's a mech yeah. it's a mech setup basically that's pretty cool right yeah so uh, not quite steel battalion but pretty cool. yeah no it's uh, it's a lot <laughs> yeah. smaller than the steel battalion and has uh, <laughs> everything pro- is Leon, approximately everything 400 is. fewer buttons but uh, but it it still pilots your mech um, yeah. in a different kind of scenario uh there was a hori fighting stick as well and a hori arcade stick um so they were making good good stuff back then mm. um and naturally there had to be a light gun which was called the sega saturn stunner i had two yeah. of these in blue 
I need um, those still. Uh, they also came in in grey and orange, depending on uh, where and when you bought them. Um, I absolutely loved these. Like the G-Con came along a bit later and was really cool on the PS1, but there was something so chunky about the uh, playing Virtua Cop with with the stunners. Um, yes, and uh, obviously we're in the the realms of the you can't use these if you don't have a a cathode ray tube screen nowadays. But if you do, if you've got the setup. Virtua Cop and Virtua Cop 2 would still be a heck of a good time, I would imagine. Did anyone else have these? Just me? I do have, I do have them. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I, I do love light gun games. I've just so long since I've played any because the drift of any yeah. of CRTs. I need to fix that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Problem. So there were 12, 13, 14 games that support the stunner guns uh, of yeah, varying many. quality. So. I had no idea there was that many. I I, I did have the stunner, um, only one, sadly. Yeah, uh, you couldn't be super cool, badass, two two guns no, at a time, man. Could, no, sadly not. <laughs> um, yeah, I, my John Wooism just wasn't there for the Saturn, I'm afraid. But this, so I loved Virtual Cop in the arcade. Yes, it was incredible. Um, unfortunately, by the time I got it home. Time crisis had become a thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, with so many third-party controllers that had the you know the the rumble feedback and stuff on that on that gun, it fell a little flat when I played it on the console compared to what my memories <sighs> of it were in the yeah. arcades, I guess. which was just a bit of a bit of a shame. But as far as the game goes, it was still a brilliantly fun. I game. I played it so brilliantly much. I played it so I got really de- decent at it and. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, had the two guns and played both games back to back quite a lot. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I would rather play Virtual Cop now. Yeah, than yeah. Time Crisis. I think Virtual Cop has actually aged better than Time Crisis it, as a as a game. It was easier to calibrate the stunner accurately, I found, than the the G Con. Yes. Mm. Yeah, the, the G Con. Um, and, and the third and the third party ones oh, on yeah. the PlayStation were way worse. Yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, yeah. yeah, it was a bit of a nightmare. The, the stunner at least did feel very first party. Although like no point blank on the Saturn, so you know. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Win some, you lose some. There was an arcade racing wheel again, official peripheral, which uh, had a kind of um, I don't know how you describe it. It's not. It's like a. I'm, you it's know, like I'm not a car Knight person. Rider's kit. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that'll do. It's little, like, little wheel, that's it? a reference like, for the kids. Um, yeah, for the kids. <laughs> kids ask your grandparents. Um, it yeah, looks more like a, a flight yoke than a steering yes, wheel, but it operates it as a steering wheel, right? I, yeah. It's not the greatest steering no. wheel in the world. Um, the paddles on it are a bit too loose for my liking, and the buttons don't in the front don't really are too far away from your thumbs to get to them properly sometimes, and it's just not not great. But I still like right, using it when playing Outrun, which we'll talk about later. But yeah, Outrun? for me, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, the original yeah. Outrun. Yes. The original Outrun. Yeah. So it, it does work rather well. It does work well, again, I think it's more built and designed for Sega Rally um, because that it, it really helps. But there's, of course, there's no pedals at all. It's just, no. Just the steering wheel. Just the steering wheel. It might make uh, Daytona USA Circuit Edition a little bit more playable. Yes. That steer is very jittery with a deep end. Yeah, Yeah. much like we talked about on the Daytona show with the 2001. uh, The game near unplayable with a Dreamcast controller, but really fun with the official Dreamcast wheel. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, I had, uh, I probably mentioned this before in at least one of the other console shows, but I had this uh, Logic 3 wheel, which worked with all three consoles of that generation. It had had a three-way plug, and you could nice. plug it into your N64, your Saturn, or your PS1, and it would be detected as a wheel by each of those machines. So I could use it with Sega Rally, I could use it with Gran Turismo, I could use it with um, all the racing games on the N64, um, Top Gear Rally. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't have any racing games on the N sixty four, but uh, that was a cool. That was a cool device. You did. You had Mario Kart and Diddy Kong Racing. Come you know, on, I'm man. not playing that with a wheel. Come on. <laughs> this is not. Come on. Uh, there was also uh, a multi tap, the six player adapter, um, which I still have one of because you need it to play Bomberman. And Death Tanks Y as well, of course. There was a grey one in Japan. The EU one and American one was black. Not much to say. It's a multi-tap. Local multiplayer. Yeah. RIP. Or maybe not. Um, what I do want to mention, though, is a shout out to, and I don't think they are a Patreon, but uh, Blue Swirl off the internet, who I know off Twitter, Adam, uh, recently sourced me the thing that I've wanted since 1996 and sent it to me from where he lives in the Far East. It is a Sega Saturn Bomberman multi-tap. Oh, that's great. With Bomberman's oh. face on it. Yeah, with the laughing eyes. Yeah. Um, and it just, I haven't used it yet because I haven't had the opportunity. There's been a pandemic on and it, I don't have enough room in my games room to fit 10 people to play Bomberman. But I now have two multi-taps, including one that has Bomberman's face on it, which, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was a bucket list thing. And now it's, I have it's one. destiny, isn't it? Really? No, I'm Absolutely. not talking about the video game either. But yeah, it just has to happen. Ten player bombing man, make it happen. Very cool. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, and there was a modem <laughs> because we were in the the dawn of the online era, the Sega Netlink. I'm guessing none of us has any experience with this. It fit into the cartridge port and was a 28.8k modem. Uh, I don't know what else to say. It got you online. There were some compatible games, including Sega Rally and Virtual On, Netlink Edition. So, you know, exciting times if you're involved. Uh, for me, I, it wasn't until the next gen of Sega that I got involved with online. Um, mm. And uh, this was very early days. I'm sure Chris and probably Carl, maybe you too, Mikhail, were playing PC games online in the mid 90s, but it was still a, yeah. it was yep. still a, it yeah. was still it was still the wild west at this point, and the thought well, the thought of consoles doing it was uh, yeah. I mean, the internet was still in its relevant infancy absolutely. until about nineteen ninety seven, nineteen ninety eight. Right? Yeah, yeah, we were still using dial up. You know, yes. My brother, uh, my brother was playing that uh, Command and Conquer team based FPS game uh, online, and he right. was making a big deal out of it. Yeah, on the PC. There, there was a version of, yes, as I say, Sega Rally, Virtual On, uh, virtu um, sorry, Daytona USA, Netlink Edition. Uh, that's the CC version. And apparently also, uh, and again, this would have been surely in Japan only, Duke Nukem 3D and Saturn Bomberman you could play, um, which would have been quite something. Publications-wise, there weren't many, partly because of the lack of success for the console, I suppose. I think um, possibly Me Machine Sega was still around at the start of the Saturn's life. Maybe I'm not. I'm not certain. But the one that uh, that I remember, of course, and the one I uh, I still have many copies of and have fond recollections about 
is the official Sega Saturn magazine, which uh, I know understandably some people are a little skeptical of official magazines, but this one uh, did its best to maintain editorial independence. And it was run uh, first by Samantha Robinson, but then later by Richard Ledbetter, who people will know from Digital Foundry now and formerly of Me Machine, CMVG and stuff like that. Uh, and it was, it was. Uh, I just think it was an excellent, high quality magazine, as pretty much everything that Richard Ledbetter was involved in. And it absolutely, as the machine died in the UK, they kept going for a good couple of years, just advocating all these amazing import games, basically. And um, it limped yeah. along. Um, they gave, they ended up giving away some fantastic cover discs, such as Christmas Nights, and also the complete first disc of Panzer Dragoon Saga was one of their cover mounts. Basically, they were trying anything. Uh, that was a- yeah. April 98, I guess, when Panzer Dragoon Saga came out and was one of the last ever PAL Saturn releases. Um, but yeah, I just, I loved the magazine and I've kept, I think I've, I must have like 20 something copies it, of it. It really was. Chris, Chris, so Christmas Nights, first of all, was an absolute juggernaut amongst the Saturn community. Mm. That was, I mean, that was such a big deal when that, when that dropped, um, to the point that multi-format magazines actually covered it. Yeah, quite so comprehensively. we should say, sorry, it had already been given away, but as a, a promotional item the previous year, but you had to buy yes. two games within a certain list and then you would get Christmas nights as a as an extra freebie. But, you know, but the, it meant spending 90 quid to get it. So the following Christmas, to get it as a cover disc on a four quid magazine was like, yes. Yeah, it, it was absolutely incredible. And, you know, I... I I don't really read games magazines that much anymore, no. but I read them very comprehensively. Yeah, voraciously. Um, at, at that point, yeah, it was. I, I don't know how my parents afforded them. I'll be honest. Oh, I spent so um, much money on oh, magazines. Oh yeah, and they weren't Thousands, they weren't that cheap even then. Um, when when you think about the cost, no, of stuff, God I no. Suppose with inflation, they must have been very expensive, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I. Even at the point that I'd probably stopped playing my Saturn, I would still regularly pick up that magazine because it was so... I mean, obviously it was passionately written, but it was passionately written in a way that it clearly meant a lot to the writers rather than it meant a lot for them to keep their job mm. as it was, as it should be for any magazine, you know, um, in terms of, of delivering a, a journalistic output. And it, it did feel like a passion project and it... You, you know, you, you mentioned there that the project um, that Richard Ledbetter has gone on to since. For anyone that's into sort of the digital foundry stuff, you can absolutely see the origins of how it got there in the work in Sega Saturn magazines, uh, in the Sega Saturn magazine, because it really was a, 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 it was a special magazine. Stephen Cookson, again from our Patreon, says, shout out to the official Sega Saturn magazine, a collection of which I still have, and it was ahead of its time with its focus on hardcore gaming. Because of this, I used to use the phrase a crappy PAL conversion before I even knew what it meant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Good stuff. So let's, I, I mean, unless there's anything else we want to say about the hardware itself, the, the, the um, memories yeah, of the we... time. Yeah, do we? There's one thing that happened for me personally when I got my Saturn just soon after, about mm. two or three months ago. There used to be a shop in in Croydon um, that sold. I think it still exists actually. They sold like old hardware and stuff, and they had one of the video um, player add-on cards that okay. you put in the back. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we talked about that. We actually it's like an Ampec card yeah, it's an thingy, right? card. And yeah. they were selling that for like 20 quid. I, went, well, I had no idea of this stuff. I was it so makes close uh, to getting it, but I didn't. Bother it makes doing some it. FMV in uh, some games a lot crisper and less yeah, artifacted. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, I, I never bothered picking. I didn't know they released it in PAL territories. Maybe they didn't. I think they did. Um, hmm. But it was just sitting there in the box. I'm pretty like, sure. I'm pretty sure it was uh, Japanese only that MB yeah. card was. Sega yeah. released a load of Virtua Fighter themed video CDs, didn't they? Uh, they did. Yeah, oh, like oh, character yeah. character portraits, yeah. and CG stuff yeah. and stuff. Yeah. A lot more still images than FMV. That's actually. yeah, good point. Yeah. So here's the point where we delve back into the console's library of games, which is ultimately, despite what we said earlier, what defines a machine, particularly over the the long term and in the minds of um, hardcore gamers, if you will, or enthusiast hobbyists. There were around about. 1,050 to 1,100 games released on the Saturn during its six-year lifespan. Now, if you are new to the Cane and Rinse podcast or you haven't been back and listened to our old shows, some of the games we won't talk about again here because we've already talked about them at some length and obviously with as many games to cover as we have, even though we're not going to talk about all 1,100, uh, it would be... A waste of time to talk about those that we've already covered, such as the original Tomb Raider, Street Fighter 2 and uh, its follow-ups, the Street Fighter Zero trilogy, X-Men Children of the Atom and Marvel Superheroes and X-Men vs. Street Fighter we covered uh, along with Marvel Street Fighter on our Versus show. But we must say, uh, it, it has to be said, of course, that yes, the 4 meg RAM cartridge made sure that and as i'm sure we said on that podcast that uh those games are much much closer to arcade perfect on saturn than they were yeah. on uh, on ps1 they're a total joy yeah yeah uh snatcher came out on the saturn we did a podcast for that uh, nights into dreams resident evil one got a port on the saturn uh, daytona usa as well of course and sega rally championship rayman the original naturally came to the Saturn, Duke Nukem 3D, but also, uh, and I think I may have talked about this on that show, but Death Tanks Y was the unlockable secret multiplayer game for uh, for Saturn, which um, yes. it's worth uh, worth uh, finding a, a save for one of their other games, such as Quake uh, or Exhumed, which will unlock that game for you. Quake is another game we've covered. The Saturn port was pretty darn impressive, despite limitations. King of Fighters, there were three King of Fighters games on Saturn. The first one of which is notable because it came with a ROM cartridge, not a RAM cartridge. Yeah, it contained game assets on That's that cartridge. It. Yeah, so you couldn't use it for other games. Yeah, And it even came out in PAL territories, because I had PAL it. territories and not NTSC US territories. That's yeah. right. Uh, there was a version of Castlevania Symphony of the Night, but only in Japan, called Akumajo Dracula X Geka no Yasokyoko. Uh, apologies for my pronunciation. Yasokyo, something along those lines, um, which was both uh, expanded on, but not necessarily enhanced on the original game. Uh, has a few issues. And there's also a version of Dodon Patch, which we covered on our Cave Shoot'em Ups show. Just going uh, back to the Death Tank thing. <clears throat> I now have the song in my head. Death Tank! Death Tank! <laughs> I mean, that, that, we have covered a great list of games there on Sega Saturn yeah. and Rayman. 
Ja, på dem. Let's move on from Rayman. Yeah, quickly, great, please. The word great should be nowhere near that title. But anyway. Listen to our Rayman podcast. It was a fun show. Uh, an interesting one, anyway. More fun than the game. Launch lineups <laughs> in Japan included, uh, as is traditional, a Mahjong game, uh, Goku Tenjiku. Mist, yes, a conversion of Mist. <laughs> a game called Tama, which I know nothing about. Virtual Fighter, the first version, of course, uh, which was fairly much an attempt at a straight port, although uh, lower resolution, lower frame rate compared to the arcade game. Yeah. Remix the came along. looked a bit, uh, yeah. or the quads looked a bit unstable in it as well. A bit wobbly, yeah. wobbly. Um, people missing feet and things like that, as, is, as, as in Daytona. And something else called Wan Chai Connection. North America included Clockwork Night is the first game we should talk about because it's probably realistically never going to get its own show. There was also a sequel. Um, I did get this at some point. I think I, I think it came boxed in with my Saturn uh, and it was a kind of it reminded me of uh, Traveller's Tales Toy Story game in its sort of look of pre-rendered graphics yeah uh, and it had like things coming from the background and that sort of thing 2.5 d-ish elements um pandemonium-esque yeah kind of yeah. um but it yeah this was a sega in-house i'm not sure which team i saw somebody who i respect saying quite i think it was john lenneman actually saying nice things about clockwork the clockwork night games um well, it's one of the youtubers that i like anyway uh but i never had a lot of time for this back in the day Anyone else play it? No. Uh, this, no. This is one of those games that I consistently saw for like a couple of oh like, yeah, super in, cheap in discount shops. Yeah. Like this, this you, we all knew the PlayStation games or or, or the N sixty four games that you you saw bundles of second hand copies for, right? And the Saturn list was always a much smaller list of second hand games that you would see in the likes of Game or. Mm. CEX or chips or anything, but there was always about twenty percent of them seemed to be Clockwork Night. Uh, yeah, yes, often very cheap. Um, and uh, as I've mentioned on the Sega Rally show, yeah, I think the the cheapest I ever saw Sega Rally for was twenty p or twenty five p. It, it looks to me, but I haven't played it. But from what I, I do know, how it runs and looks and plays, and it looks like a bit of an imprecise platformer, and I loathed those, so I tried to avoid them. But maybe I'm wrong. Daytona USA, we've talked a bit about that, Paul, and we covered that in a show. Uh, so the next one really is Panzer Dragoon. This is the one. So I only got on board with the second one, really. I've since played the first one and the remake, but Panzer Dragoon's Vi for me was an all-timer, one of my favourite Saturn games, and Saga I loved as well. Panzer, Drag Panzer Dragoon 1, um, I skipped for some reason, but you love it. Yeah, I mean, I think also just coming back to it in uh, maybe it was somewhere in 2013, um, I found it such a damn impressive mm. game as well to play. And uh, yeah, it has it has this whole unique kind of uh, kind of atmosphere to it, reminding me of uh, Franco-Belgian fantasy comics yeah. and uh, and the likes. You know, of course, the Japanese the version art of Mobius, Mobius uh, yeah. illustration on there um and yeah the music it's uh it's quite a special kind of uh yeah there's been a 3D shoot em up rail shooter yeah creation I, speaking for myself i definitely could become we can only describe it as reacquainted with it 
and I have to thank Mikhail for this because his you know re reintroduction of really understanding how shmups actually works I didn't really understand it all these years. And mm. now I've been watching him stream and watching other streams. I was like, oh, that's how they work. And when you think about it, and it's extremely obvious to Mikhail, I'm sure, but not to myself, is this is a lefty-righty shooter only going in the screen and in yeah, three I've... dimensions, but it is an on-rail shooter. And once you treat it like that, it becomes a very, very different and very much more entertaining experience. And uh, yeah. it's not... You're not I'm, not, I'm confused. Really. How else would you play it? <laughs> No, I just didn't. Well, I how thought... are you trying to play it? No, well, I think no, it was. No. It's easy to confuse them going yes. on from what Chris is saying. It's easy to confuse them for some sort of uh, arcadey flight sim. Yes, kind of thing. it looks oh, okay. like some yeah. sort of um, yeah. rather than flight. a scrolling shooter. Mm. Yeah, rather than a constantly scrolling shooter, you have some control. You have more agency than the actual game grants you. It looks like from a screenshot and videos, like oh, you're floating around and flying around. Nope. Yeah, no, I see what you mean. On, no, on, you on you, you control your reticle basically. Yeah, you do. You yeah. do. Yeah. You yeah. just control yeah. the. There's a nice. And, uh, uh, there's a nice right. remake available on recent systems, which uh, which is a good way of playing it if you don't have a Saturn. Uh, or yeah. you can unlock the P uh, uh, an Xbox version of the PC version if you get Panzer Dragoon uh, Auto on yeah. on Xbox and on Xbox, complete yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and um, the thing is, what makes it? I mean, we often talk about how early 3D, uh, especially the 32 bits, and also the Nintendo 64, uh, how early 3D is so often tough to go back to, but it's one of those games that just impresses me all over what they did with the 3D graphics, uh, you know, the, the sort of the art design with the limited means that they had with these uh, fake water reflections in the first stage and that mm, sort of thing. Uh, yeah, it looks really cool. Yeah. There was uh, a footy game in... Uh... In North America and in Europe, worldwide soccer, as I say, Sega International Victory Goal Edition, which is a conversion of, I think, was it just called Victory Goal? I'm not sure, actually. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, by Team Aquila for for Sega. I had some fun with this. Uh, it didn't it didn't top my favourite games of the era on other formats, but uh, but you know I could always enjoy a football game. Looked a bit wobbly. There was also a golf game in the American launch lineup, Pebble Beach Golf Links. Never played this one. Yeah, this has uh, this has this um, digitized, animated um, sort of coach guiding you along. Um, I mean, I've never played the game, no. but I've seen a lot of videos of it oh, okay. online because it's pretty hilarious. Uh, this guy called Craig Statler, who oh Craig Statler, yeah, of course, yeah, 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 professional golfer, yeah, absolutely, and uh, and the walrus. He talk yeah, exactly. He talks you through the game. But he also says these very inappropriate, innuendo, bordering kind of things. I did like, not know that. Yeah, he says things like, uh, do you think you can get it inside mine? When he's talking about the ball and uh, those kind of things. It's, uh, <laughs> it was, it's a little uh, bit uh, iffy. Yeah. started on the 3DO um, and then came to the Saturn, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there are a lot of a lot of like uh, YouTube meme videos about Craig Stadler from this game. Excellent. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know the game, but probably just watch the videos <laughs> i don't know uh the, yeah. the european launch lineup was actually pretty slim uh obviously a, a virtual fighter was pack in in north america the european launch lineup was just clockwork night daytona victory goal worldwide soccer and for the virtual fighter as a pack in four games yeah four very small imagine, imagine that now just for a moment like mm. yeah people would freak they would 
especially as none of them were especially well uh, reviewed. Um, no. Virtua Fighter got some reasonable notices, but not yeah, nothing stellar. Nothing, nothing I, truly I, abysmal. Nothing stellar. I do find it amusing that it came out more or less the same time as they released the thirty two X version as well. I think. But anyway, carry on. Uh, so some of the other best-selling games on the platform, uh, these were. this is mostly due to American sales, I would posit, uh, particularly in the case of Madden NFL 97. So they did get the EA Sports franchises, for a while at least, on the Saturn, which was always considered to be a kind of make-or-break thing for your console. Um, most of the... I remember most of the reviews of... The Saturn versions of things like FIFA were pretty terrible at this point. Um, but I guess Madden NFL did well enough. And uh, there was a World Series baseball game as well, which sold uh, a huge amount of copies. Now, for those of us who are into, you know, Japanese shoot 'em ups and fighting games and stuff, it seems weird that World Series baseball and Madden NFL are big sellers. But that, that was the market and um, and still is in some ways. The other big seller was Sonic 3D Blast, which is really nothing more than a, a sort of a, a, a polish up of yeah. a Mega Drive game by Traveller's Tales. <laughs> uh, but it yeah. was the, it, for a while, it was the only Sonic game and it was quite, kind of the closest thing to a Sonic, a, a Sonic game on the Saturn. Exactly. It had Sonic in the name and it had 3D in there. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Sold a few copies uh, and you can play. The Mega Drive version is easily found on lots of uh, of those Mega Drive compilations and stuff. Not a game I'm particularly fond of, even though I have a lot of respect for Traveller's Tales as a studio. Um, and then, of course, Sonic R came along later, uh, as, as it will in this rundown. Let's talk about, rather than the best sellers, some of the best reviewed games on the entire Sega Saturn system. And right at the top comes a game that was really a kind of. Um, a f- <laughs> It's like a, a fan service version of 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 uh, Fighting Vipers, with added characters from other fighting franchises from Sega. Um, Fighters Megamix reviewed absolutely out of this world uh, everywhere, um, and was quite a hell of a package. Yeah, it's funny yeah. because I wouldn't call it a great competitive fighting game mm-hmm. that you uh, can really get into the nitty gritty of and play for uh, for years and years on end. But on the other hand, it is very understandable why it's such a high-rated game because it's a lot of fun. Unlockable tree, unlockable car, unlockable yeah. meat. It feels, it feels like it <laughs> should never have happened. Like it's such a bizarre thing. And yeah. to be fair, seeing something the likes of that again doesn't feel like that's going to happen. Um, for for how bizarre of an amalgamation it was, obviously it, it it's virtual fighter versus. Fighting Vipers. Yeah, that, plus... those two mashed together and then with a yeah. l- whole bunch of stuff added to mm. it, yeah. Oh, but it, it, even it, to say that it's just Virtual Fighter is actually a bit of a misnomer, right? Because it takes some of the stuff from Virtual Fighter 2 and some of the stuff from Virtual Fighter Correct. 3, like the side yeah. yeah. stepping. So it was actually quite advanced in what it was yes. doing. Um, I remember kicking someone out of the ring and there's no ring out. So that was a bit of a bizarre <laughs> thing. Uh, and so, uh, and obviously it had the cages from the Fighting yes. Vipers games, which wall in steel cages. But yeah, this, this was one of the ones I piled so much time into it. And to see like the, a roster of that mm. size, we have had games that have huge rosters again since. But for the longest time, nothing came remotely right. close to the scale and size of a roster as yeah. Fighters Mega Mix. And it, it felt like somewhat of a fever dream that, that something like this happened. It wasn't the most balanced 
fighting sure. game. I think it's probably safe yeah. to say. I mean, that's one of the things that you know makes or breaks fighting games in 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 sort of the modern climate these days with the, with the variety of them that we have. Um, so I don't necessarily think it. It's not one of those retro games that people are going to go back and suddenly host fighting tournaments. Probably around. not. Um, no. But but my god, was it fun! Plus, you can play the Hornet car from Daytona. Indeed, so. exactly. you can indeed. You can as bonkers <laughs> as that. So, yeah. Janet from uh, Virtual Cup was my main character because she can just shoot people. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was count. She was all counters, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. She had some of, uh, is it AOE's moves from Virtua Fighter 3? It was, that's right. It was all yeah. AOE's moves. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, I mean, that is a game. Obviously, you can play like arcade perfect versions of VF2 and Flirting Vipers on Xbox if you want. But in terms of that whole package with the intro and that, that particular roster of characters, this is literally the only way you can play Fighters Mega Mix other than emulation. And we haven't talked about Saturn emulation. It has improved, but it's. Uh, uh, the, I think they've made some leaps and bounds in the last few years. But it took a very because of that architecture that we talked about back at the start. It took a long, long time to get Saturn emulation to a to a, a serviceable standard. I think I believe they're getting there now. Um, but yeah, if you want to play Fighters Mega Mix properly, you need a Saturn and a Fighters Mega Mix yeah. disc. I'm uh, not sure uh, if there's much um, of a Mister Core yet. I think there is, but mm, I think they're trying. But yeah. right. And also, if your battery dies, like yours has, Leon, what what a pain! Yeah, to unlock all the characters in point. that game, that was a mission, and it was dead easy to for your save to go for whatever get a reason cu- and have to do. Got to get a cartridge. Yeah. Got to get a cartridge. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you have yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. I had to do that though when we were doing one of those uh, streams for the museum, you know, and we wanted to play some uh, Fighters Mega Mix, and yeah. my battery had died on me, so. Took me about two evenings to unlock everything again. It's fairly, it's fairly brisk. It's not like you have to uh, defeat impossible challenges or anything no, like that. You, you have to keep at it and basically create, basically complete all the arcade mode routes that there are. Yeah, yeah. but still, well, any game where you've got to beat Dural yeah. is a pain, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, make that one for your collection, listener. If you're if you're inspired also so guardian heroes is a game uh, thankfully treasure did convert it for the xbox and it's fully backwards compatible you can play it on a modern xbox but this was a game that was uh, reviewed in particularly well by uh, the emap magazine cmvg and sega saturn magazine uh it was as soon as i saw those uh the 96 percent review i think it was and a a, a high five in cmvg i was like oh this i've got to have this i already knew gunstar heroes um, and I, I didn't know exactly what to expect that, you know, I'd read about this sort of slightly odd. So I knew it was kind of like a progressive hack and slash or brawler game, but it had this weird um, like cardboard theater type situation where you've got three uh, Z axis layers that you jump between. And it does take yeah. some getting used to still, even when you go back to it, like I've, I've completed this game through every route multiple times. I unlocked all 101 characters or whatever it is. Um, but still, when I go back to it, it's like you still try and move normally, but you can't. You have yeah. to leap from from row to row. But so much about this game, I love the animation, the music, the intro. The, the music is insane. The yeah. the uh, the the ridiculous amount of playable characters, the the wacky story. Um, yeah, just like such a a, a weird game, uh, such an example of treasure being treasure, doing something slightly different. To everybody yeah. else, yeah. such a I celebration, think... though, isn't it? It really is. I don't know how to describe it. Just the sheer enormity of 
of brawling and left and right, but actually just push it into the screen, give you more depth, just make it more just engage the player and just bring them into this ridiculous world that they've made. And it it yeah. does turn into absolute carnage uh, in the later yeah. levels as well. To, possibly to its detriment at points, there are points where it becomes a little bit, uh, you can get a bit hit stunny and a little bit like uh, visual noise. But this is treasure, yeah, classic treasure, totally, yeah. pretty much not caring yeah. about whether they make the hardware completely creak. Yeah, you know? yeah like, for sure. Let's just throw everything in there, even though it causes massive yeah. slowdown. Yeah. A huge showcase, of course, for the, the, the twin rendering right. chips yeah with with the uh, ability to multi-layer right. uh effects and sprites yeah. um probably uh, uh one of the real showcase games for what the saturn really shone at compared to doing skilled to, hands uh, its competitors. Yeah, right yeah, yeah it was uh, it's, i mean even now it's one of those games you look at it, it is just and i'd be interested yeah. to know I, I i suspect it didn't do that well when it came to Xbox Live Arcade. It's as I say, it's still available. It's been been on there for about ten years now. Um, but I suspect it's the kind of game where if you weren't there at the time, you might try to play it now and yeah. go, "Oh, this is a bit odd." Uh, if you're expecting yeah. like um, Castle Crashers or something, you have to wrap your head around the fact that they wanted a scrolling brawler that controls like a two D fighting game. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. yeah, which is yeah. the reason why you hop on three planes rather yeah. than freely move across the z-axis yeah. yeah but it's got yeah. some serious depth if you uh if you explore and yeah if you're into kind of yeah video uh audio visual spectacle of the era there's uh there's a lot to be enjoyed it just it, it probably does have a bit of a barrier to entry in that it's not normal <laughs> <laughs> no i've already mentioned it we've never done a Bomberman show on the pop podcast which um one day we should rectify uh, mm. But for me, uh, and I, you can absolutely play Saturn. Uh, you can, sorry, you can play Bomberman on SNES. You can play Bomberman on PC Engine. You can play Bomberman on pretty much any format and find one or more decent versions of it. But for me, Saturn Bomberman, I don't think will ever be beaten as the absolute apex of Bomberman experiences. It's got three fantastic, well, arguably four t fantastic modes. It's got a, a one-player adventure, which is, you know, it's Bomberman in a one-player adventure, which is not always that exciting. But the levels are cool. It's got some brilliant music and graphics. It's got the master mode, which has one of my favorite tunes of all time and is a kind of uh, pu puzzle skill screen-by-screen -screen challenge, which I love. It's then got the multiplayer, which is massively featured, uh, has... Uh, 24 distinct stages it starts with eight but there's a secret button code you can hold down to multiply that by three i think that's right and finally you've got the high res 10 player mode um mm. this is probably more than anything else the reason i keep my sega saturn saturn bomber man i've played this with six people yes. in total i've played it yeah, with, i've with never played it with 10 i played it with seven i believe yeah right yeah 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 it's really cool even it's the no uh, Man Act Zero, though, is it? Let's be honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even the uh, uh, let's say the um, uh, select screens and everything for the multiplayer have this wicked little '90s hip hop oh, beat tune in there. Music, that I love. yeah, 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 yeah. I did and, see. Uh, um, yeah, sorry, Michael. 
Yeah, no, it's just it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, even uh, on a four by three large yeah. CRT, everybody has had to huddle up a little bit closer right. to uh, yeah pick out their their character. But uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun. I have such it, fond right? memories of of doing just that in the nineties, ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. You know, four, three, four, five, six friends around. Yeah. Um, I remember one on time. This guy who uh, he's he still lives around here, but I'm not in contact with him anymore. But he was pretty much in tears after getting beaten multiple times on Saturn Bomber. <laughs> Fond memories. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the the weird thing is also those uh, multiplayer characters. Uh, mm. There's, uh, I think there's not too many Bomberman characters Hudson. actually. There, it's all like Hudson yes. people, like uh, Takeshi Majin, Bonk, yes. or BZ BZ Genjin, or yeah. uh, or PC Genjin. Um, who else is in there? Milon, that little yep. dwarf guy with a with a hat on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was about to say that I have actually seen this in ten player mode. Yeah, with at an expo, uh, retro gaming expo, where they uh, nice. went went full on and not huddled around a small television. <laughs> oh no, no, no! They they threw they put on a projector and threw up against the wall. Well, yeah, so, that's that's so, yeah. that's my that's my plan. Maybe <laughs> yeah. uh, for my my big birthday coming up later this year might and be uh, something along those lines. It was an experience that I'm never going to forget. It's so good, so good. Up there with playing uh, Halo first time on a LAN. It was up there with all those that kind of, you know, console multiplayer experiences that are never going to leave my brain. But yeah, the thing, the thing for me as as well as the the fact that it's like possibly the most feature complete and has my favourite soundtrack. It's also that this was really the last time the the Hudson team, as it was then, used sprite pixel art for Bomberman. Uh, after that, they went started going into the the, the sort of the slightly uh, isometric perspective and the polygon bombermans, and th- a lot of them look absolutely fine and they play absolutely fine. But uh, but this was like this was the peak for me. The only thing is missing is uh, the coin battle from Bomberman Generation. True enough, for the GameCube. that is a great yeah. mode. You're not wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Evil Ninja <laughs> Phil from the forum says Saturn Bomberman is great and is arguably the last truly classic game in the franchise. It was a great encapsulation of what had come before from the great pixel art to the pinpoint gameplay. But as much as I enjoyed it, I always knew that I'd never enjoy all of Saturn Bomberman because I could never really play the 10 player mode. Not because of the lack of controllers and people. You could add in AI players to fill all the other uh, 10 player slots. This is true. But because of the graphics mode it used, it would switch to a much higher resolution and a 16.9 widescreen play area, making it even smaller and borderline unplayable on your usual 4.3 CRT set. Nope. As much as I loved, as much as I loved it, I would never get all I could out of the game. Or would I? See, I was lucky enough to have a mother who worked at a large electrical retailer with a decent staff discount and a father with an over-eager credit card. That's how I assume we ended up with a sweet Tony, a Sony Trinitron 28-inch widescreen TV that was as flat as a snooker table. And that's how I played 10-player Bomberman. Of course, using computer characters wasn't really the same. I thoroughly enjoyed it, but it would be enjoyable on the basis that I would never play the game as it was intended, surrounded by 10 people. I could dream, but I would never play the game like that. Or would I? A decade and a half later, I was on my way to Scotland to meet up with some pals from the Consolvania Forum to play some games upstairs in a pub that was way, way, way too hot. And a group of us had managed to scrounge together two multi-taps and ten pads required for a full-on proper ten-player game of Saturn Bomberman. 
The game was projected onto a sheet taped to the wall that kept falling down, but that didn't matter. Here I was playing Saturn Bomberman with 10 other people at the same time. It was brilliant and was made even more brillianter by me winning the tournament and being crowned King Bomb. This truly is my top <laughs> gaming moment and possibly of my life. Marriage? No. Birth of children? Not a chance. The time I paid for a beer with a £10 note and got change for a £20 note was now in second place. All thanks to Saturn Bomberman <laughs> and a dream that never died. Excellent stuff. Thank you, Evil Ninja Phil. Wonderful. Or yeah. would I? That's, that's, that's it. That's, like, that's the motto for life, isn't it? True enough. Or would mm. I? Let's talk about uh, some of Sega's own arcade conversions. These were either first, well, they all they are first party or in-house developed by either the original arcade team would handle them themselves or they would have what they would call a consumer team, which would work in conjunction with the arcade team to bring the game over. And some of these games, of course, were on the STV board, which was effectively the exact, well, give or take the same hardware in the same way that System 11 was Namco System 11 was very similar to PlayStation mm. hardware. So, yeah, we got Virtual Fighter Remix, uh, which was a yeah polished up version with some textures and things like that and some glitches removed and generally the better way to play the original Virtual Fighter on Saturn, right? Yeah. Then came the Titan. That was the home conversion of the craze that was Virtual Fighter 2. And what an incredible this job. turned a lot of heads. What an incredible job they did. High res mode, uh, high frame rate. Uh, the only thing they lost really was the 3D backdrops that the arcade version could do, but kind of everything else was intact. Yeah. Yeah, I think this really brought the Saturn back into the conversation mm. uh, a little bit again when it came out. Carl, you're a Virtual Fighter fan. I, I mean, I guess you went on to, you, I know you talk about Megamix more probably, but yeah, uh, Megamix more for the memories and the insanity. I mean, if you're talking about a a skilled, balanced yeah, fighting right. game, then Virtual Fighter Two is it's the 3D standout on the on the Sega Saturn. Um, it was, I mean, you've already mentioned there that they just did a, a phenomenal job, um, and it did feel like the the second wave of the exclusives yeah. of driving arcade to home and we do see this quite regularly i think with console generations especially now when you see waves of improvements that look like it could be on a, on a different system um it was maybe less not noticeable so so much back then but particularly to the standard between virtual fighter one and virtual fighter two um for what we actually saw on on the saturn the, the virtual fighter two is masterful in terms of what how they actually managed to wrangle that system to deliver that game because virtual fighter 2 in the arcades was was a huge increase over the first yeah. one so to actually see them be able to 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 shift them both to the same console but have them seem so generationally different it's just so so impressive and then we got the chibi kawaii super deformed version <laughs> in the form of the mid-price release Virtua Fighter Kids. I can't imagine this did terribly well in Europe, for example, but um, but it had a cult following. Same game, basically, with smaller graphics. Yeah. Uh, worked in worked in the same way as um, Sonic the Fighters, right? Smaller characters. Yeah. I have Virtua Fighter Kids. Uh, it came with uh, with my Saturn. Uh, it was more my friend who brought it 
to me from Japan. He insisted that I get it because it always looked a little bit uh, off to me. Uh, and he's a massive f fan of it. I still feel like, yeah, it doesn't play as well as regular Virtual Fighter 2, you know? Mm. Like, because of the limbs being so short yeah. and hits don't connect that well. It's it's difficult to read. Yeah, it's very difficult yeah. to read. And it, it it feels like, why did they make this a separate game? This should have been a big head Easter egg mode or something in the main game. Well, that's it all, that wasn't unusual course, at the time, yeah. right? So yeah. it always felt that, that it should have been something a bit different, but it just felt like a one, or at least it looked like a wonkier version of a really great game yeah. for the same price. Why not just buy the great game? Exactly, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's an uh, interesting little curio, at least. We mentioned the Virtua Cop conversions, one and two. Uh, one slightly closer, probably, to the arcade machine, but a valiant effort with two and still very, very playable. Lots of replay value if you're into it. Very it's brief the, um, if you're not. Yeah, it's the spectacle of the Virtua Cop games I love. I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons I like playing them. Don't know about you, Leon, but it's just, just don't care. Just in your face, constant. It can be quite, you know, tiring. Uh, but yeah, I it's intense. Still yeah. enjoy them. It's very intense, but it's just the sound and the, it's flashing. Everything's just kicking off all of the time, relentlessly. It doesn't stop, and uh, that's why I like playing. Mega funky soundtrack. Wonderful <clears throat> pacing. Yeah, it's a great hilarious yeah. bosses. Oh yes. <laughs> Uh, we mentioned the controller, and really, without that controller, it was a bit of a pain to to play. But Cyber Troopers Virtual on the uh, the the one on one mech fighting coin op, uh, I don't think that was much of a hit over here either. The the arcade machine, but I did buy this and did play it with the the standard controller, and uh, I managed to get okay at it. I really love the presentation of this mm. game. Um, Very colourful. Huh? You can play it now in um, Yakuza. Kiwami 2, maybe? <laughs> it's in one of those, uh, the original arcade version. So uh, that's a good way to play that. Anything else on Virtual On? No, I played uh, the XBLA port of Oratorio Tangram. Yeah, I never got around to getting yeah. that. I don't think it's That works really anymore. well, actually, with a uh, yes. modern controller with two Probably sticks. Probably a better yeah. way to play it, yeah. Higher resolution yeah. as well. But actually, uh, yeah. Virtual On on the Saturn had a split screen, which was functional. Uh, I think you could play vertical or horizontal, so you could play two players at home after a fashion. Uh, and I remember having a stupid conversation with the bloke who worked in Blockbuster about the nature of 3D graphics uh, when I bought that mm. game. He said, this looks like that uh, King of the Monsters on SNK. And I said, well, not really. This is 3D. And he said, well, none of them are 3D. It's all 2D because it's on a television. <laughs> I was like, okay. Better, uh, better. I, I, stopped that, I stopped that conversation there rather than getting yeah. into the nature of uh, polygons and things. Anyway, yeah. why does that still bother me? Well, it doesn't bother me, but it still amuses me <laughs> uh, since yeah. 1996, that was. Fighting Vipers, uh, as I say, we yeah, we mentioned this. So this was, um, I guess, what was the, the vibe? It was kind of gritty, urban uh yeah. sega whereas virtua fighter 2 had this kind of clean uh sort of pure oriental kind of sense to it fighting vipers was like this kind of grungy street based yeah. uh armor based fighting game like uh had more last bronx um not last bronx that's the next game on the list um bloody raw maybe yeah 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 it's it's, it's a bit more street i guess because yeah. of the uh Oh, let, let's say there's a skateboard uh, guy in there and there's a, uh, a guy that looks like a trucker or like a, mm. yeah, picky or a guy <laughs> that's, uh, that's more like a, a motorbike rider. And, you know, there's a, 
There's a metal head in there with a guitar axle. You can smash armor yeah. off. Or Rexel, Rexel, yes, yeah, some, yeah. some excellent yeah. names. Yeah. Virtual Fighter was all the martial arts, wasn't it? It was the craft of martial arts, the count of the patience. Yeah, and fighting vipers was smash them into a. As, as, as we put in the UK, scrapping. Yeah. yeah. Fun though. Smash them into a wall and make them fly through. Very oh, it's, great. It, it has a character in there called Jane who is like Vesquez of Aliens. Yes, yeah. very much so. Yes. Uh, and again, that was one of the games that um, M2 did a little run of arcade perfect or, or better ports for the for the Xbox. And that's one of the ones that, that came out on there. Last Bronx didn't, though, sadly. Uh, no. And that is definitely more like a street gangs uh, sort of uh, yes. gritty take on the on the sega 3d fighter formula if you before you start playing it it you're gonna think maybe that it's going to control more like uh soul blade or soul yeah. caliber but it is still very much punch kick guard you know that system of the uh, sega 3d fighters mm. yeah but it's uh it's cool um very uh also really you know pushing the hardware quite a bit with some uh rudimentary uh, 3D environments, or m- maybe they tried to simulate that more in a Saturn port. But uh, yeah, you're like you're fighting in this uh, underground parking garage, for example, with the ceiling above you and all that right, stuff. Right, yeah. And uh, yeah, pretty impressive game. Uh, perhaps one that went down less well than some of the earlier attempts were relatively late in life, uh, but it was still done, as I say, by the uh, either the arcade team or a, or a uh, uh, an in-house consumer team was Sega Touring Car Championship. Mm. Yeah, not a big fan of this one. The steering is, was mentioned earlier, it's steep. It just doesn't work. Even with it? a wheel? No. Right. Uh, yeah. I'd... So the first of our STV games, Dynamite Decker, also known, this is a lot of fun. Also known as Die Hard Arcade. So this was uh, Sega's first attempt at doing a... a Belt scrolling brawler in polygons. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Might have been the first overall, even. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I think they uh, manage quite well because you move rather than scrolling along, uh, and you know having shifting camera perspectives most of the time. It's more like you go from arena yes. to arena where you fight, and I think the big strength of it is that it has a decent. 3D fighting based grappling system mm. uh, in it. And there's a lot of silly weapons and silly enemies to fight. I think it was one of those that uh, that didn't do as well as it might have done reviews wise because a lot of magazines would say this game's really short in you know the, yeah. in the sense that you can yeah. battle your way through it in an hour if you credit feed or or whatever and and it's really more about the replay value and yeah uh, getting better at it and stuff like that. It, the perception of this always seemed to be that it was harmed by just being called Die Hard <laughs> up against Die Hard Trilogy, which was three uh, games for the, yeah. for the same price that had more Good duration. Point, yeah, yeah. Uh, Baku Baku Animal World Zookeeper Contest, also just known as Baku Baku, which is the Japanese onomatopoeia for eating. Also Paku, but yeah, uh, this was a uh, sort of uh, kind of like a match three, but a bit bit more like panel upon puzzle game. With again those sort of weird '90s, mid '90s pre-rendered graphics, uh, but actually, um, I think they released this again. It was sort of mid-price game. Uh, it wasn't wasn't a full price forty-five quid. It was like a thirty quid game, and uh, I had some good times with this. Also ported to Saturn, and these were conversions, not emulations. 
were the Sega Ages games. Now in Japan, they released them separately and they got some more titles that we didn't get over here, like Power Drift and some other cool ones, I think. What we got in Europe and possibly in America as well, I would assume was the compilation volume one, volume two never happened. (laughs) As far as I remember. Such a tease. Such a tease. Oh, look, T Volume 1. Hey, hey. No. (laughs) Go on. (laughs) But uh, yeah, uh, basically, Spit Spot home versions of uh, three of. They were already retro at this point, but not as retro as they are now uh, from the mid 80s Outrun Afterburner 2 and Space Harrier. This was uh, a joy for me to finally be able to play Outrun pretty much arcade perfect at home yeah it took two generations to do it, it just, yeah it always makes me chuckle that i remember when the sega master system came out and outrun was coming out for mm-hmm. it and uh like oh maybe they'll just like you know clearly the sega master system couldn't do that but then the mega drive live or maybe just no <laughs> no and then it took the saturn to do it but for me this collection to this day i when i'm playing when i'm running playing games with my Saturn, nine times out of ten, I will eventually pop this this yeah. into the machine. Because mm. why wouldn't you? It's just, look at them all. I mean, it's just, they, they are spot on, really, really close to the arcade original. Now, I, I speak as someone who's got a mister now, so I can play the original arcade versions. It's fine. But it's just, you know, having it on a home console, official, and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, fantastic. So, such a good collection. Good news, of course, you can also play these now uh, in similar or possibly even better form on 3DS and Switch, thanks to M2. And the Switch. Yeah. Yeah. But if you have a Saturn, it's a very nice way to enjoy them. There were a couple of arcade conversions that Sega farmed out to the Australian team, Tantalus, who are probably best known these days for doing Nintendo's stuff uh they've done the hd versions of twilight princess and skyward sword uh but back then they were not as well known and i think essentially because sega had moved its main teams onto dreamcast games by 1997 eight time they got tantalus to do the ports of the house of the dead and manx tt superbike with uh, mixed results yeah, and I do like Manx TT. It's not a bad racer. It's not a terrible racer. I mean, it's no tourist trophy, but then again, what is? Um, but it's still passable. It's not a terrible game. I think the disappointment was that uh, when House of the Dead was announced for Saturn, people were hoping for a, a really close to the arcade experience as we got with Virtua yeah. Cop, and we got a game that demonstrably looks and feels like a third-party attempt at <laughs> same. Yeah. Fortunately, House of the Dead 2, of course, was being worked on for the Dreamcast. Oh, yes, it was. Andrew Golightly from the Patreon says, The Sega Saturn was, to me, as a child, unobtainium. I got my first console when I was seven in 1994. It was a Sega Master System, almost certainly obtained for cheap in the Woolworth sales. Blissfully unaware at how virtually obsolete it was, I spent hundreds of hours making futile attempts at completing Sonic the Hedgehog and Wonder Boy 3, I bonded with a ragtag group of similarly last-gen kids and we traded an array of terrible 8-bit games over the course of a few years. 
There was only one kid in the school with a Sega Saturn, and I suppose living life in the fast lane, he had no time for us. Or, ironically, he had just been bought a very expensive ticket to isolation from the PlayStation zeitgeist. It wasn't until I met my best friend in high school in 2000, and I had a blisteringly fast next-gen Dreamcast that I finally got my hands on the legendary Saturn, which he rooted out from under his wardrobe. Given its relatively relative scarcity in the UK, I felt like I was playing on a rare and lost antique from the past. A couple of hours of exposure to Burning Rangers and Panzer Dragoon Saga thoroughly piqued my curiosity, and I couldn't stop thinking that I'd missed out on these lost gems from the past. He also had a Dreamcast, and after a couple of years, the past we'd finally exhausted each other's games collections, he made me the irresistible offer of borrowing his Saturn. Hang on, is this linked to the other story that we, <laughs> we had early on? I went, we one st- <laughs> I went one step further than simply borrowing it. I upgraded from the dodgy ROM watch battery memory to a chunky memory cartridge. I bought a couple of oddball games like Fighters Megamix. I still borrow the console to this day. <laughs> Good job we're still friends. Okay. It sits there in its place in my console collection. But in a cruel twist, I know that eventually, like an illicitly retained blockbuster VHS tape, he may remember how much he misses it, and the day will come when I have to say goodbye to it again, hopefully without any late return fee. Until that day comes, I can at least pretend that this mid-copy of Panzer Dragoon Saga is mine. Mm. I'm not entirely sure that these aren't linked. <laughs> yeah, stories, I don't know. One's maintaining the still friends, yeah. but I did like the line, I went one step further than simply borrowing yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I took it. It's Dragoon Saga. It's there. I mean, yeah. 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 You're on that's a not a common game yeah. that everybody has. Case rests. Uh, not that many people have that game and a Saturn. No. no. Let's be honest. No. <laughs> I, I don't want to speak as one of them, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's... The oh, blood dear. thickens. Oh no, wait, it's me, isn't it? Damn it! (laughs) (laughs) So, big list of games coming up. Say something if you have something to say. Don't if you don't. But uh, notable exclusives for the time. Panzer Dragoon's Y. Well, as I say, my one of my absolute favourites from the console. And sadly, no other way to play it uh, Mm. other than on the original Saturn. Not sure why I sold my copy. Uh, That's one of the ones I do regret. And of course, yeah, the Mighty Saga, which is as famous for its scarcity and value as much as anything, but is actually just, uh, you know, one of the the kind of must-play games on the system. Uh, and Chris, yeah. you've played it recently. I did. I uh, finished it again recently. Yeah. It, it still holds up. It really, really... This is, the, this is the um, the uh, free-flowing game that I thought Panzer Dragoon was. It actually finally is. You can fly around almost anywhere you like. Uh, it has a very interesting mechanic of combat where it sort of mirrors the arcade game but then turns it into like a hybrid sort of like turn-based but not turn-based it's really clever very very it's such a shame that it's only only on the Saturn you can play this game still to this day probably Um, never going to change no unless it gets an actual remake like like the original did They'd have to rebuild it from the ground they up, would. probably, because yeah. I think they lost the source yeah. code for it. Yeah, and yeah. Team Andromeda doesn't exist. Yeah, it's worth saying no. that, uh, that in its native Japan, this is called Arzel Panzer Dragoon RPG. Uh, so it is a different genre of game to the, the previous uh, two yes. Panzer Dragoons and the one that came after it. It's a, it's a standalone also, yeah. title. And I do think it will make a wonderful game to talk about in the future, Kane and Rin. So we should pitch that. But Sadly, I no longer have my copy, so... Yeah, uh, I I completed. One, but, it. I played yeah. it. I bought it day one. I remember it came. Yeah. It came out the exact same day as uh, Yoshi's Story on the N sixty four. 
and uh, I couldn't afford both. My friend bought Yoshi's Story, and I bought this, uh, and I played, I played this nonstop for yeah. three weeks until I'd finished it. Really, it, it is not a very long game for an RPG. No, it's about it thirty hours, thirty-five. Yeah, but like it, but but it is um, spread across four glorious discs. Yes, and uh, yeah, highly highly recommend this. Astonishing game. soundtrack. Yeah, all yeah. good stuff. Great swan song for a wonderful system. Uh, Clockwork Night, we kind of touched upon. Astal, I didn't know anything about this, but it came up when I was researching and I sort of, sorry, I missed it. It looks quite cute. Yeah, it's like this uh, 2D platformer, right? With a yeah. big chunky character and you can pick up uh, bits of environment and toss them around. Never came out in Europe, hence me not being terribly aware of it. More cute platformers, which did have something of a profile, but never appealed to me at all, were Bug and Bug 2. No, said the crowd. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's kind of, um, yeah, probably sums it up. Burning Rangers we can talk about. Sonic oh, Team, yeah. rather than making a Sonic game, which is possibly what Sega would have wanted. <laughs> they tried, but uh, famously it was cancelled. Uh, they made a fire person game, firefighting game, future firefighters with procedurally generated levels. No, no combat virtually to speak of. And a massive list of rescuable characters. Really weird and interesting game that was mm. really struggling on the, the hardware um, by the time it came. It was trying to do a lot of yeah. things uh, hardware-wise that people said the Saturn couldn't do. Right? Transparencies and, uh, yeah. and all yeah, that stuff. stuff. Yeah, It, it yeah. really felt like a game that possibly could have benefited from being moved over to the Dreamcast and released as a Dreamcast launch oh, title. 100%. Yeah, it's a little bit rickety uh, to play, but uh, the music is amazing. Yes, the main soundtrack. It's the concept, right? It was so. It felt so out of left field for that team, and it was just it. At that time, it felt it stood out across to be a hero in a game Um, like a a rescuing. Yeah, I know it's not unheard of in Japanese games um, in particular, and not even yeah. There were you know there were some British games where you played uh, rescue services and things like that, but it was just it was slightly out of. Yeah, out of left field, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, we did get the uh, in the later um, system. We had the there was a hospital, uh, a hospital driving one, an ambulance driving one, wasn't it? And there was crazy yeah. taxi, and you, we had all those kinds of games that, that came into it. Um, and it felt like Burning Rangers was the first one that that came up to the Saturn, I think, of those styles. But yeah, it was it was it it looked fantastic at the time. It was a really really interesting concept. Um, it did some cool little things, but you're right. It it loaded up on uh, quite a lot of the jank as a result Very of the system so. that it was built on, but but also iconically linked with the system as well. It is one of those games where, you know, you think of five games for the Saturn. Intrinsically, that is always one of the ones that comes to mind whenever yeah, anyone talks about it. There's nowhere else to play it. Yeah. Sonic Jam, I just wanted to mention, uh, we we have started on our Sonic the Hedgehog series of podcasts. Uh, we've only done the first one and we're doing another one this year. But Sonic Jam uh, came out in 1997 in the absence of a, a new Sonic game. Uh, so it was essentially it collected the four Mega Drive games together, but not Sonic CD, sadly. Uh, wrapped it in with with a new intro and a 3D World section, which was quite fun in its own regard. Um, but these were again; these were conversions, not emulations, and they'd actually remixed the games to an extent. 
uh, added difficulty levels and uh, a new mode. Um, and uh, this is another one that I keep because it's the only way outside of Mega Drive hardware to play Sonic 3 and Knuckles locked on together as as intended, mm -hmm. uh, because none of the subsequent releases allow you to do that. Yeah. And for that reason, it's quite a cool little thing to, to get still. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's a great collection. One of the better collection of Sonic games, I have to say. Yeah, for uh, sure. And I'm happy that I own it. It's really good. Really good. Sonic R was Traveller's Tales. Um, I guess it was a sort of attempt to do a, 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 a before we had all the sumo Sonic and Sega All-Stars type games. It was a, mm. it was a Sonic racing game. It was technically astonishing. Um, there's a, the, yeah. one of the guys, one of the main guys, I think, from Traveller's Tales, and apologies, I can't remember the name, has a channel on YouTube in which he goes into coding secrets um i think he was oh, he was uh he was he was instrumental in the early lego games i believe and loads of traveler's tales extraordinary work on the mega drive and amiga and some of the hoops they jumped through to make sonic r work uh as as well as it does were extraordinary the game was i i found it a mixed bag in that um it was sort of it 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 kind of wanted to be like diddy kong racing and that it was a sort of racing adventure but if you actually went off to do any of the adventuring stuff, you would lose. You would lose yeah, the race. So. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, it, uh, it, intention wise, conceptually, loved the idea. Loved artistically, it it kind of did something for me. Um, speed wise, it was a lot of fun. Massively into my racing games. Anyway, I liked the uh, the way that the characters uh, were presented in the game. But actually, all of that came together was really janky, and yet somehow I still really loved yep. that game. It was a That's lot cool. of fun. It's actually, it's actually a really good game to watch speed run for people that do oh, the right. collection of all that the three items sense. per that per event sense. because you you see them taking all these wild yes. shortcuts that are absolutely. Yeah, it was possible. built around that, wasn't but, it? Really, I mean, it was built around the idea it, of it. It was. Yeah. But but Diddy Kong, you're right. Diddy Kong Racing is the is the obvious comparative, and that did it so much better with the gold keys and the ability to just you know turn around 180 <laughs> and stuff. Um, but one of the things that always blew me away with Sonic R, and I don't know how many of you actually remember this, but there was an actually a fully reflective, shiny Sonic loading right. screen. And it, it was... Dark magic. So it was the first time... The only time I'd ever seen this effect was when they did, you know, Metal Mario mm. in Mario 64. But that was on yeah. the N64, and that was insanely powerful compared to that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was... Uh, and obviously, it was completely non-playable. But it was super, super impressive, because by this point, we'd all known the problems that the Saturn actually had. Yeah. With its the way it would render, and yet he was something that was actually really technically impressive, um, as far as loading screens go. Uh, so yeah, it was. But yeah, Sonic R was a great game. There are other ways to play that one because it got a PC conversion. So um, yeah, Dark Savior was a sort of follow up to Landstalker, right? The Treasures of King Knoll on the Mega Drive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But this one, so this is a, a, an isometric platform RPG from Climax, Climax Entertainment, uh, the people behind uh, Shining in the Darkness, things like that. Um, and Alundra on the PlayStation is a little bit of a spin yeah, off from that as well, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the probably the interest, most interesting thing about this game, and again, the reason it's uh, it's beloved by some and held up as a cult classic, is the uh, the way that depending on your actions early on, the plot spins off in various different directions. And so I think there are at least 
five different stories depending on kind of the choices you make early on so it's quite a short game that again reviews were sort of critical of how quick it was to complete but the point was you're supposed to replay it and find the different story threads kind of thing dragon force not the song uh this the the game i always think of whenever that particular um was it a song or a band the band Mm. through the fire and flames it was the one on yeah. guitar yeah, that's yeah. it yeah the band guitar hero, yeah. not the band <laughs> um this band. this was a j-force and sega uh sort of real-time strategy game you had uh two uh you know side on uh, scaling 2d scaling arena uh and you basically send groups of troops at each other it's a little like um it's a lot along the lines of those sort of turn-based rpg strategy games like uh, Final Fantasy Tactics, but kind of non-stop, full real-time shenanigans. Um, I got quite a long way in this, and then I got to, in, in traditional fashion, I got to a horrible difficulty spike. Uh, there was a sequel in Japan. Um, but again, this uh, this has a, well, it used to have a game rankings average of 90% and is considered in the kind of collectible cult classics for the machine. Did anyone else ever play Dragon Force? No. I know what it is, though. It looks, it always looked really cool to me, like with all those crazy yeah. amounts of sprites, uh, cool looking sprites as well. It's great. Yeah, loads of character. Yeah. It's one of those games that I wouldn't mind getting, but then I have to probably get a Western version so I could figure out what even, what's even going on and get some sort of uh, action replay absolutely. going on with my system. And yeah. it had a working designs translation, which, you know, might be a barrier to enjoyment. But I don't remember it. I remember it being yeah. a bit, uh, bit 90s um mm. anachronistic kind of stuff but uh but yeah i had a good time with it the game i think this was possible was one of if not the last game released in the west um for the saturn was uh didn't come out in north america in fact only came out in japan and the eu was deep fear which is a sort of undersea survival horror kind of game um which got middling to positive reviews i never actually got involved this uh, fetches a pretty penny, uh, the European version does on the second-hand market. Yeah. It was easy enough to get hold of for a long time because no one wanted it because it was a Saturn game, right? So it just yeah, exactly. it used to sit Now there. it's become very coveted. Yeah. 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 Stellar Assault SS is, uh, comes up in some people's lists of, uh, of cool Saturn games to own. It was a sequel to a 32X game, which probably even fewer people played, called Shadow Squadron. 3D shooter, space space shooter. I guess the Saturn's closest thing to something like Colony Wars. Right. Or something like that. This one I'd completely forgotten about. I think it's pronounced Gen War, but it's got an H in it. Gen, yeah. oh, Gen War. First person shooter on the Saturn by Jumping Jack. Uh, yeah, mid-90s FPS. Um, again, reviewed middling cult classic maybe shining the holy ark so this was a sort of spin-off to the shining series done by a sonic software planning not to be confused with sonic team there was some relationship there i bought this uh, but then it was my girlfriend uh, at the time who played all the way through this so this is kind of uh, a jrpg dungeon master kind of situation um, with pseudo 3d graphics dungeon crawling uh, first person 
uh, type. Is it first person? Or maybe you can see your characters on screen anyway, but it's it, into yeah, the screen. It is first person. Yeah. Mm. And it's um, lots of lots of puzzles to it, lots of um, traps and has the, all the trappings. Absolutely. <laughs> of, of dungeon crawling. Yeah, and yeah. You have little, little fairy creatures with you. Yes. Your bidding and stuff. That rings a bell. Fascinating game. Very, very good. It's very good. It's always one of those games where the the, the title just kind of makes me laugh because it, it feels like there should be like a colon after Shining. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't make yeah. a lot of sense. I, d- I don't know why it's called that, but uh, there it is. <laughs> What's the Holy Ark and why do yeah. I have to shine? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Belongs in a museum. Anyway. On the Shining front, there was also the Mighty Shining Force 3. And I think it's uh, our friend Ashley Day, who is a massive Shining Force fan. So this was uh, this was more of a uh, turn-based strategy RPG released in three volumes, but sadly, only the first of those three was released in the West, in North America and Europe. Uh, Our friend Ben Cartlidge never got over that. Yeah, uh, they didn't release the next book. I think there are yeah. fan translations now of parts two and three, so I think there might be ways to play it with emulation having improved and stuff. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. So yeah, again. Um, I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a sh- like it feels to me like Sega could work with one of the great uh you know kind of retro revival teams and bring some of these to modern systems mm. for downloadable services mm. it, it feels like feels like something that could happen but they seem more likely to let as with Panzer Dragoon they kind of let somebody buy the IP off them effectively didn't they and um yeah and and let them, of rage. yeah right yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. it's just the way they're set up. But maybe somebody, somebody, some studio would take Shining Force 3 and um, give it the, the all-in-one HD collection we, we deserve. Yeah. Next up, uh, another treasure release. Now this got... Yeah, uh, I have this. Yeah. Uh, I have the Japanese disc of this. Okay, yeah. so this got a... Was it an enhanced version on PS1 after the Saturn version that addressed some of the... No. Oh, is it not? Okay. It's... It actually misses some of oh, the effects uh, from the Saturn okay. version. Yeah, like uh, real-time reflections in, in mirrors on buildings. Silhouette mirage, we should thing. say. Uh, so this has, um, before Ikaruga, it has a kind of um, color swapping mechanic, right? Yeah. It's it's very uh, funky the way you engage with it, though. It's basically either face left or right with your character because your character, Sheena, sort mm. of a cutesy, witchy kind of character, she uh yeah has uh she is fifty fifty uh, two different colors red and blue, yeah. uh, silhouette and mirage mm-hmm. and then yeah if you want to attack mirage enemies you need to be facing one way and you want to attack silhouette enemies you need to be facing the other way that's a little bit uh it's not as intuitive as uh, I- Ikaruga is some might even say a little bit over designed right. maybe a little bit too elab- elaborately designed but still I think it's still super interesting and fun and quirky to play and it's full with filled with all sorts of crazy scenarios and imagery Uh, good insight i guess you might have something to say about assault suit linos 2 as well never played that no fan of the series though right or the original yeah yeah uh cybernator right on the super nintendo yeah no i never played this so they did a there was an hd version of assault suit linos 1 that came out on ps4 and stuff a few years ago Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah, no. Cybernator is Assault Suit Valken. Yeah, course. but it's Leonos the same. Leonos is Targeter. Same series. Yeah. Same, well, yeah, yeah. same developer, same concept. So these are um, very story-heavy mech, side-scrolling 2D mech shooters, basically. 
yeah. Uh, Mistara, the realms of law. I remember this one being in shops. Um, I did used to play quite a lot of RPGs at this point. This one was reasonably well received, but uh, Mistaria, sorry, not Mistara. Mistara's in mm. Dungeons and Dragons, isn't it? Uh, this game is also known as Riglord Saga in Japan. Anyone know Mistaria, the realms of law? No. I think I have a copy, but I've never actually right. played it yet. So I'm a bit. In, <laughs> it happens bit in, like when I you're said, a collector. It happens. This is when they were chucking them out for 50 pence a pop. So yeah. Snaffle it up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if you're listening, listener, and you're thinking, why aren't they talking about Mystaria, the realms of law, or Blazing Heroes? Uh, well, because you didn't send us your correspondence about it. Bear that in mind. <laughs> uh, Princess Crown from Atlas. Uh, was this from the yeah. team that goes on to become Vanillaware? That's exactly yes. it, yeah. yeah. So it's uh, very much in that sort of Odin sphere kind of yeah. uh, realm. Yeah. Uh, also... Huge character as well. Yeah, right. Um, they did do a PS4 version of this, as well as a PSP version back in 2005. The PS4 version, sadly, is Japan only at this point. Mm. Is it quite text-heavy, I wonder? I wonder, yeah. They usually are a little yeah, bit... Uh, they, yeah, normally are. So it's two years since it came out in Japan on PS4 and uh, no sign, even though we've had quite a lot of other uh, Vanillaware stuff since. Obviously, yeah. um, Dragon's Crown was essentially a uh, spiritual successor to Princess Crown and uh, we can play that. Shinrei Jusatsushi Taromaru, a.k.a. Psychic Assassin Taromaru. Yeah, that's an expensive Yeah. Game. This is uh, uh, a side-scrolling action game, ninja-y kind yeah. of stuff. Uh, they were, they yeah, only looks really cool. They only printed 7,500 copies, and it <laughs> now fetches $400. Yeah, yeah nice. No. That, that's not even that bad for 7,500 7, copies. True enough. Yeah, but it's uh, it looks really cool from footage that I've seen yeah. of it. Uh, a little bit like, yeah, like a Shinobi-type yes. game, but then in... Uh, uh, that sort of uh, um, occult uh, Japanese historical setting with all sorts of yokai and uh, and that sort of thing. And I think you have this sort of uh, spell system with uh, which auto targets targets enemies on screen. Seems like that figure is disputed. Uh, Edge magazine reported it as five thousand copies, but a couple of other magazines reported it as fifty thousand copies. So anyway, mm. not that many either way. No. Talking of shinobis, Shin Shinobi Den, or Shinobi Legions. Or Shinobi X. Or Shinobi yeah, X, indeed. Yeah, uh, weirdly, yeah. even though I consider myself a bit of a Shinobi fan, I never played this one. No, it, it's a completely digitized Mortal Kombat That's style. That's why uh, I think I... Shinobi yeah. game, right? Oh. Supposedly, it's decent yeah, 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 to yeah. play, but it looks a little bit janky to me very yeah. much of its time might still be fun though might still be fun i think it was actually and it was those kinds of screenshots seeing those early screenshots of this new shinobi game in from import reviews and cmbg and stuff i'm thinking i don't want all my games to have you know i like mortal kombat doing its thing but i don't want games to start looking like this all the time <laughs> like with everyone <laughs> looks like a bad jpeg photograph uh, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> now a game that i adored on the Mega Drive was uh, the Thor, the story of Thor, also known as Legend of Oasis. Um, there was a Saturn sequel, uh, also by Team Ancient, and I did buy it, but for some reason it never 
click with me the way that the original did. Oh, really? No. It looks cool. To yeah, me. I think maybe I'd like it more now than I did then. I don't know. Uh, yeah. It was it it looked beautiful because I loved the original graphics. So this is uh, uh, Ayano Kashiro and um, and Yuzo Kashiro working together. Um, the family team, ancient. Um, they made a beautiful Mega Drive game, Zelda like. Well, it's basically Zelda meets Streets of Rage if you've never played it. Uh, yeah. And but top down. And this is the Saturn sequel, and so it's higher resolution graphics. It, I, I remember it getting some critis, criticism at the time for not looking enough of an advance on a Mega Drive game, but like that's not going to put me off. Hence, I bought it. But for some reason, the early levels just didn't really grab me. But I think maybe I need to rebuy this one. And again, it's the only place you can play it. Seire u hide. Wing Arms. This was always in shops, but I never bought it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, this this was one of the games you saw all the time. So just to round them off, Wing Arms uh, was one of the games you saw all the time. D was probably the oh, other yeah. one you saw Good constantly. Yeah. Dirt cheap, always on the always yeah, on the Saturn. Sure. Um, that kind of rounds out the trilogy. So it was a sort of uh, arcadey flight sim, World War Two alternate type of scenario. Wing Arms. Um, I think it was meant to be decent fun enough. Crime Wave. Uh, Crime Wave was a vehicular combat game from IDOS. So, uh, yeah, um, middling reviews, shall we say. But uh, but for whatever reason, it was a Saturn exclusive, came out in the EU and in America, not in Japan and not on any other system. So I guess if you're a Saturn collector, Crime Wave needs to be on your list. Some other third-party arcade conversions of games that were around at the time. This is one I bought for quite a lot of money in London. Uh, Metal Slug, which was mm. uh, obviously is available on everything for not very much money now. But at the time, getting an, a near arcade perfect conversion of Metal Slug, which also used the uh, the RAM expansion to... Uh, I think it used one meg of the RAM to uh, give you more animation. Uh, it yeah. was. A, it had a bit more slowdown than the arcade machine, but other than that, it was basically spot on. But also included an art gallery and various other things. Amazing. And again, also showing up the PlayStation version that had to stop and load yeah. uh, during the stages. Sort of yeah. Time. Yeah. Very good point. Uh, in Japan, and again, this became less of an issue when they released these games for uh, a couple of gens ago, Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty, yeah. PS Three. But at the time, the only way to play home versions of Capcom's belt RPG brawler, scroller, hack and slash games, Dungeons and Dragons. That's why I said Mistara, because the Chronicles of Mistara. Uh, yeah. This was uh, this was uh, the way to do that. But it was quite expensive, as I recall. So I never got around to getting it. These are amazing games. Um, yeah, I think it helps a little bit if you, uh, you know, if if. Uh, you speak the language, of course, yes. uh, because there are some decisions that you need to be making during gameplay. But it's overcomable. I mean, I play, um, I play Guardian Heroes in Japanese. Oh right, so, okay. You yeah. miss out on some yeah. of the uh, some of the story, but you still get all the gaming goodness. I, I still get the. Gist, but fortunately, yeah. with those Capcom D and D games, you can play them, as I say, on Xbox, uh, PlayStation, and uh, Wii U, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got it on Wii yeah. U actually. <laughs> Sitting on my Wii U. Talking of the sort of slightly, uh, I guess, retro-looking 
arcade conversions on Saturn, you could get Chase HQ plus SCI, Special Criminal Investigation, from Taito. Mm. Yeah, that's a bundle. Very cool. Never had it. No, me neither. You can probably play them on emulation just as well, but, you know. Yeah, we also got some, again, uh, retro-looking collections that were absolutely gold dust for the likes of of me. Um, Gradius and Salamander collections. There was a Parodius one as well, of course. Konami bringing some of their legacy coin-ops in. Uh, These were mainly converted, weren't they, I think, and uh, rather than emulated and Mm. stuck on a disc, given a nice FMV intro CG. Yeah, I have the Salamander collection. Yeah, me too. Yeah, really cool. Salamander Life Force and uh, Salamander 2, which is the one yeah. that still kind of uh, doesn't reappear, which is annoying because the, the other exactly. two you can play uh, on yeah. anything pretty much. But Salamander 2 is like, no, you're never having that one again. Yeah. And also, this is where the Capcom Generations series sprang into life. Again, these were conversions, not emulations. You could be forgiven for thinking they were emulations, but uh, that these um, these were running on the Saturn. And uh, collections of the 1942 games and the Ghouls and Ghosts games and the Mercenaries and Commando games, Wolf of the Battlefield. There was a Street Fighter set and a selection of oddments. Pirate Ship, Higamar, Sun Sun, and what's the other one on that disc? Uh, X-Dexes or something like that. Mm. And again, a lot of these games have since been available on other more modern consoles. They released them as a big bundle in Europe on PS1. But if you wanted to collect these on Saturn, as I did, uh, you bought them discs in discs one, two, three, four, and 5 in little separate boxes, which was very nice. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I do remember the. I have it on the PlayStation, the, the, the Capcom Generations collection in four discs in the big double box. Yes. And um, yeah, but I just love these arcade collections. The value for money is just phenomenal. And uh, if you like those cool sort of, kind of games, um, and I have a lot of them from other platforms as well. This, to this day, still discovering little gems in, in amongst them. Yeah. Lovely. I think the uh, almost every game that was on those uh, those sets are now available as individual DLC purchases for Capcom Arcade Stadium. Um, after they initially released them as bundles, you can now buy each game for one ninety nine. I think so. That's probably cheaper than sourcing five volumes of Saturn Capcom collections. Yeah, but I think so. But not as cool. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Uh, fighting games. The Saturn was, yeah, pretty much the home of the 2D fighter, at least until the Dreamcast came along. But even then, uh, if you're a a massive 2D fighting game fan, it's still one of the finest machines you can have in your collection. As I say, we've covered quite a lot of them on the podcast in the past, but some we haven't covered include the Vampire Hunter series, the Vampire series, uh, Night Warriors, Mm -hmm. Vampire, Savior, Lord of Vampire. I think there's a... There was a compilation as well on more recent systems, and there's another one coming, I believe. But again, yeah. at the time, if you wanted to play Vampire Savior, the Lord of Vampire, near Arcade Perfect, whack your four meg cartridge in, and uh, oh, this was so exciting, this game. This game, right, I used to pause it frame by frame to look at all the animation because it was so sumptuous. Just It's insane, yeah. yeah. I've got this yes. one, yeah. Still yeah. still enjoying it to this day. Mad stages, mad characters. 
mm. just dripping in personality. They're fighting on the side of a skyscraper. Yes, love that stage. They're fighting on a train which has a mouth and eyes. That's also true. Yeah. Is this, is this the one that's coming on the new yeah. Capcom? All of them are. Ten, yeah. ten games. Yes, thankfully. Yeah. All of them are. Pra- praying yeah. for good versions. Yeah. So they did release, there was a, a Darkstalkers, um, uh, was it Iron Galaxy on previous gen? And again, you can play it on current Xbox. Um, but apparently it sold so poorly, it actually stopped Capcom releasing this stuff for quite a while, uh, yeah. which is sad. But um, yeah, uh, I I was eyeing Night Warriors as well because it is quite a little bit different yes. uh, in its system and with music and everything from Vampire Savior. But uh, now that that compilation is coming out, I might just go for that instead. Yeah, yeah some people weren't entirely happy with the change of Vampire Savior to the uh, carryover life bar. Uh, situation yeah the killer instinct yeah. system yeah yeah uh there was also a again a four meg m- supporting conversion of pocket fighter or super gem fighter mini mix which is another game i happily spent 50 quid on an import disc for there was no other way to play this at the time it later came out yeah. on ps2 as part of the street fighter zero anthology but uh but it was it was a it was a, a it was a it was a little gem yeah, it's really good. Uh, also uses the four MB card actually. I said that, didn't I? Fine, going insane. Did you? Either oh, either okay, I'm okay. cutting out or okay. I'm going insane. Maybe you did One that. of the two. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you did. No, I was just watching the show. Docs, no worries. Uh, no worries. Yeah. Uh, Dead or Alive, of course. Before the PS One version, which sort of changed things up and was a slightly different beast with different visual look. The the version that came out on Saturn. And this was before the game, although the game, yes, it was famous for its bouncing boobies and you could set the, I think this was possibly the first one where you could set your age in the menu and it would, uh, the number that you put in from 0 to 99 would be how emphasized the boob jiggle physics were. Uh, that certainly was the case in the in the PS1 version. But this first port was actually a really impressive um, Tecmo in-house job, I think. Yeah, I think um, the um, Xbox yes. re-release uh, Dead or Alive Ultimate is based on the Saturn you version. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Also a rare treat, I think now. Hmm. And what can you tell me, Mikhail, about Groove on Fight? Uh, another game that I've been thinking about. Maybe I should get yeah, this. Yeah, it looks uh, so much like your bag. Yeah, it's a weird Atlas fighter, right? In the uh, Power Instinct series, which is all sorts of. Uh, strange with uh fighting grand grandmothers and and things like that uh yeah and beyond that not a whole lot uh, other than that it's a team-based fighter it has some really it has an odd bunch of characters but yeah there's something interesting about it i might just snatch it up at some point and just because we didn't really talk about it in our king of fighters show there's a fine satin version i believe of real bout garu denset special I always saw the real bout uh, Garou sets or Fatal Fury games as kind of the Street Fighter Alpha <laughs> counterparts uh, of, of Fatal Fury. Uh, a little bit more bubbly and cartoony looking graphics, I guess. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, a little bit more approachable approachable to play even. Uh, I, played, uh, I played a number of them, but not uh, this particular version. And another one that I feel like should be very much in your wheelhouse, Mikhail, given yeah. that you love Waku, Waku 7 and, and things like that. Astra yeah, yeah. Superstars by Sunsoft. I bought this. I of bought this. And I, 
spent a little bit uh, <laughs> too much money on it. Really, okay. but worth it. Yeah, it's uh, worth it. Yeah, it's uh, cra crazy animation. Um, also uses the uh, expansion, uh, the four Mac expansion, and uh, I think it's STV based as well. This game is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Didn't yeah, know. because it's a STV slash uh, Saturn exclusive. Uh, as opposed to Waku Waku 7, which was a, a Neo Geo game, of course. Um, yeah, and, and the cool thing about it is that it's a uh, airborne fighter, so the characters are all, 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 up, all up in the air, and there's no ground to stand on. So you sort of uh, fly around each other and duck and hop over each other. Who needs ground, eh? Exactly. And this one, just a, an honourable mention because it was uh, late. It was a sort of uh, a port, I think, of an earlier game, Zero Divide, but it was uh, a, a Saturn-only final enhanced version, Zero Divide. Now, because it was a robot beat-em-up, I always associated it in my head completely unfairly with Rise of the Robots. <laughs> <laughs> so I never, I never bothered getting involved. Isn't this uh, one of those games that has a terrible reputation? It's one of the worst fighting games in the series. Maybe so. Yeah. Possibly. Don't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Faux macho. Maybe uh, other uh, other than mentioning this game, we should also mention Cyberbots, which had a decent uh, Sega Saturn port as Do you well. know? I Capcom. totally missed that one out. You're right. Yeah. 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 Which uses uh, one meg of expansion. Faux Macho from our Patreon says, My neck of the woods was 100% N64 saturation. Even though I had a Game Gear, the Saturn was nowhere near my radar, but also I was so dead centre at the time in Nintendo's targeted age demographic that I don't even remember seeing a PS1 until 1999. In the years since, I've always been so curious with its exclusive offerings that I finally picked one up in 2021. The library is such a fun balance of beautiful sprite art and polygons holding on for dear life and for my somewhat new love of shoot 'em ups the Saturn might still be undefeated I think it's a very exciting time to be a Saturn owner the niche community still supporting it seems to be getting stronger the recent fan localization project for Bulk Slash was a great gaming story of 2021 Bulk Slash yeah um, never played this but it's more of a uh, a mech action game isn't it like mm. uh, with the behind the character and you move through cities and you shoot at stuff yeah in uh, in 3D, yeah, and it has a lot of text, uh, like Fomacho said, like that they translated and they in this fan localization they even tackled the voice acting uh, quite professionally, so which is all sorts of impressive. That's amazing, yeah. More of that sort yeah. of thing, please. Yeah, so the Saturn has a uh, a fairly famous legendary lineup of shoot 'em ups. Of course, it made perfect sense. It was the most capable piece of tech at the time and the arcades were still popular in Japan and this genre was still popular so we got the likes of Batsugan and Battle Garega uh, and Suki or Terra Diver um, and those those are the games those, those are in particular are the names that I just used to see all the time on the kind of the hardcore gaming forums right yeah 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 all fantastic games yeah Battle Garega is, uh, is monumental. Sokyo Garantai and Batsugan are not that far behind. And some of these have uh, found their way onto other systems, courtesy of M2 and people like that. But still, Saturn is a great way to play them if you can afford them and find them. Uh, Thunder Force 5 as well. Um, Technosoft's continuing saga. Uh, did they, they also released a compilation of 
the previous games in the series, didn't they, on the Saturn, I think? Yep, yep. The Thunder Force Gold Pack uh, 1 and 2. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Taito gave us uh, Ray Force or Layer Section. We've also got Hyper Duel and Sonic Wings Special. Yeah. Oh, there's no end of them. No end. All the Konami shooters. Uh, yeah. Don Patch also yes. is, uh, is on there. Yeah. I think Radiant Silver Gun is also in this uh, list, right? Shouldn't go unmentioned. It is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm not the biggest fan in the world of Radiant no, Silver not Gun. Not everyone likes it. Plays, no. Absolutely. No. Because it's, uh, it's so um, kind of rigid Super almost. Super rigid, yeah. Yeah. And um, but so I got the XBLA port, and uh, you know that's how I play it yeah, when I same, do. Yeah. But um, part of me kind of thinks like that, that I have this morbid idea, like what if I would have this game on a Saturn and see it run on the original hardware? You know, what would that uh, do to me? Having played both, it's I actually think the XBLA version, like I'm not, I don't have the wherewithal to count frames of input lag. But yeah. uh, the it's one frame extra. I know yeah, from, uh, exactly. On so the XBLA version. to most to most so which, humans which is, is irrelevant. Exactly, yeah. not noticeable. Uh, no, but it's this sensation that uh, I love uh, from older hardware to see something, you know, that impressive. Run oh, sure. on, the, on this old system, it was cool. I, yeah. I spent fifty quid on it in in London, and I cradled it all the way home to Brighton, and 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 loved it very much on the Saturn. But actually, to play it now, I'm equally happy to play it on on the xbox it actually it yeah. adds a few features that the the saturn version doesn't have like the ability to download yeah. replays of of super play and stuff like that so the cutscenes are translated yes indeed nice. they are which yeah. uh which i once got uh my uh my friend simon's then wife to uh watch and translate those cutscenes for me <laughs> back in back in the late 90s in nice. 98 yeah uh so yeah, just a few um, sort of multi-format games that were kind of almost, although yeah, they wouldn't have sold as well, but they were known for being also on the Saturn because they came out similar time to or just after the PS1 or PC versions. That aforementioned conversion of Alien Trilogy. Um, there was uh, Command & Conquer, which actually had a brief exclusivity console window on Saturn before the PS1 version arrived with extra content. Mass Destruction which was the um, follow-up to Return Fire, which, uh, or was it a follow-up or was it a, a clone of? A spiritual successor. I'm not sure. Spiritual successor, maybe. Um, mm. Again, had some had some fans. And the other one I want to mention, it's just recently been re-released by the wonderful people at Night Dive, is the game that uh, was called Exhumed in England, Britain at least, but Power Slave in America and Seireki 1999, Pharaoh Nofukats in Japan. Uh, yeah, yeah. This uh, <laughs> John Linneman is often singing the praises of this game. Uh, and I, It's really good. I, I like absolutely it. love this game, yeah. And the new, yep. the new version is. is brilliant. Like, such a great... Night Diver's so good at doing what they do. Yeah. I picked it up again already. It's another game that I, when I begin fire up the Saturn, it normally ends up being played. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking into the, the Japanese version. Yeah. It's pretty pricey actually mm. for a Japanese game. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's got a little bit of speech and text, but nothing essential, I wouldn't say. Mm. Uh, but yes, for those who don't know, I would inv uh, recommend investigating it on, on systems that it's come out on recently. Uh, it is a, it is a mid nineties FPS, but it has huge elements of, 
uh, proto Metroid Prime, I guess, several years before yeah. Metroid Prime. It's got uh, it's got revisiting levels with new abilities, and uh, it's got really interesting level design and strategy system in so yeah it was it was only briefly a saturn exclusive because uh it did get converted to both ps1 and pc with slight tweaks uh but this new version actually takes the best bits from all the versions and kind of amalgamates them which is uh which is what night dive does so so brilliantly other than uh the aforementioned big sellers that we talked about early there were some other big sega sports games um, such as uh, Decathlete or Athlete Kings and Winter Heat. So these were Sega arcade machines that ran on the STV hardware and therefore the home versions were pretty much identical. High res, high frame rate graphics. Yeah, absolutely loved Athlete Kings. It was so much fun. I mean, I was a huge fan of um, International Track and Field, the 3D uh, yeah. game on the Konami, PlayStation. Yeah. And this was kind of, yeah, Konami's version. and. Uh, you know, Athlete Kings was kind of Sega's alternative to this on the on the on the Saturn, and it it was it just had it had a lot of character in the same way that Ready to Rumble mm. Boxing had yeah. uh, so much character on on the Dreamcast. Yeah, that is uh, um, very goofy, silly characters. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was great. And for me, I feel like no game personified that super hyper chunky graphic style that the that Saturn had. That you know the the art style drawn by quads, quad polys rather than triangle polys. Um, and it just gave everything like a larger than life uh, art style for the characters that were just uh, ridiculously goofy and uh, and fun. And it was bright and colourful and it it played relatively well as well. It was, yeah, it was an absolute hoot to play. Yeah. And Winter Heat I've got as well. Uh, that only came out in Japan, I think. No, no, no. It, it did come uh, out here. No? I remember seeing it. Yeah, oh, okay. I, I, and I regretted never buying it. But yes, it was in one of the late stage plastic boxes. We didn't talk about oh, the Saturn game okay. boxes, which were really annoying. Uh, they had plastic frames <laughs> yeah. with cardboard covers and disc spindles that did not hold discs. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's a lot of fun yeah, as well. Yeah. I think that's four player even, uh, Winter Heat is. And Funky Head Boxers. This was uh, Japan uh, only, also an arcade game by Sega AM3. Um, I mean, I've never played it, but it's worth looking out some footage of if you like comedy boxing games. Billy from the forum says, if I could choose one console to play forever, it would be my beloved Sega Saturn. I didn't grow up with a Mega Drive or a SNES. My childhood gaming was exclusively on Game Boy, but nevertheless, I was obsessed with Sonic the Hedgehog. And when my parents offered to buy me a console as a birthday present, I chose the Saturn over the PlayStation and N64, relatively clueless as to the state of the so-called console wars. I played Sonic Jam for weeks on end and eventually got a second game, Sega Worldwide Soccer 98. I tried to play a whole 38 game season in one day, as I didn't realise I had to pull the little tab out of the battery cover to enable game saves. <laughs> I was pretty new to this, and perhaps my innocence is what allowed me to love the console so much. My best friend got a Saturn soon after and playing Saturn games with him all hours of the night or poring over issues of Sega Saturn magazine for previews of upcoming games like Deep Fear or Panzer Dragoon Saga is one of my most cherished memories of that time. It was apparently dying a death in the marketplace, but we didn't care. We were able to pick up games cheaply and the often limited selection meant playing what was available and finding hidden gems and unfamiliar genres. I remember one particular day coming home with Fighting Vipers, Skeleton Warriors and Sega Rally for £12. 
We spent our weekends playing Manx TT Superbike, Valora Valley Golf or Worldwide Soccer Tournaments, playing arcade classics like Virtua Cop, Daytona USA or House of the Dead, or sharing the controller for Knights, Resident Evil or Tomb Raider. Even if some of the games we had weren't great, we played them to death anyway. Shout out to Johnny Bazooka Tone. <laughs> I still have my Saturn, and when I feel like adult life gets a bit overwhelming, it's the Saturn and its a peculiar, charming library of games that I return to. Games that I missed as a child. I've discovered as an adult like Burning Rangers, Guardian Heroes, or yes, Panzer Dragoon Saga. And my excitement and joy from gaming is renewed once again. It's unquestionably my favourite console of all time, and hopefully Sega will look kindly upon its prodigal child and celebrate it for the joy and it certainly did bring to those who had it. couple of uh, big selling or popular games sports games that were also considered uh not very good by reviews and crop up in worst system worst games on the system lists include uh, nfl 97 and nhl all-star hockey where playstation got cool borders the saturn got steep slope sliders which i always thought was fun to say yeah, it is fun to say yeah Steep, steep slope sliders. Easy, not as easy <laughs> as you think. No. <laughs> uh, there was one official F1 game from Bell Corporation called F1 Challenge. Um, not being an F1 person, Carl or no, Chris? I've played it. It's not terrible. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a reasonably good um, F1 game. It's not up there with the ones that arrived on the PlayStation, no, I'm afraid. There is again, sorry. but The uh, Bizarre Creations yeah. ones, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and a few other noteworthy or hidden gems. Uh, Grandia, that did come to PS1 and you can play it on Switch and stuff now. But that was one of the games that they were advocating in things like Sega Saturn Magazine and saying, you can play it even if you don't know Japanese, if you just try out the various dialogue options. <laughs> it's like, yeah, really? <laughs> really? Yeah. But yeah, classic RPG. Uh, another RPG was uh, the, uh, the complete version of Luna, the Silver Star Story. Shin Megami Tensei, Devil Summoners, Soul Hackers. That's how long the Shin Megami Tensei series has been going wow. and beyond. There was some, as well as the amazing Saturn Bomberman, there were also at least two other Bomberman games that were slight genre twists or spin-offs, including there was one, I think one turn-based and one isometric. I can't remember which one's which. I think this Saturn Bomberman fight might be some kind of Bomberman meets chess kind of situation. I was never quite sure. And Bomberman Wars was the isometric one, but I, or it could be the other way around. We'll cover that properly if we ever do our Bomberman series show. Yeah. yeah. Mansion of Hidden Souls was a conversion of a Sega CD game, which uh, which has its uh, which has its fans. Tale of the Dream Mansion, also known. And yeah, one title. We already mentioned it in passing, but I would say it may have been pertinent to the Saturn's lack of success was the fact that Sonic Team got so far with a game called Sonic Extreme and then the game was canned and cancelled. I mean, we've all seen bits of the footage of it and I mean, it's very hard to say, but it didn't look like it was going very well. <laughs> How much difference would it have made? I mean, we know that Sega uh, Sonic 3D Blast sold well on the Saturn, but I'm also conscious that I think even by Sonic 3 and Sonic Knuckles, 
they weren't those games weren't hitting quite as big as they had done it wasn't quite sonic 2 levels of feverish anticipation at that point so would would sonic extreme if it had come out come out and been a 95% scoring game or whatever would it have made all the difference to the sat any opinions conjecture maybe 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 slightly but i wouldn't think it would have changed the console landscape very much at all mm. um no. i mean nintendo pushed out a revolutionary Mario game at the N64's launch and they still couldn't beat Sony, you know? Yeah, I don't Yeah, exactly. I don't think it ever really recovered from properly from thinking about it and probably I'm hesitant to say it, but really did it ever really break free of its legacy from the Mega Drive? Honestly. Honestly. I know you could say Sega Media and stuff like that and the relatively recent like resurgence of Sonic, but there's a couple. There is a, but after that, I mean, definitely, yeah, I, I really, I don't think it ever really recovered. Well, for a legend, for a legendary franchise like Sonic, it does feel like there's more bad Sonic games yeah. than there are good Sonic yeah. games. Virtua Fighter RPG was another cancelled project that ultimately morphed yeah. into a game called Shenmue for the Dreamcast. Never heard of it. We covered. <laughs> also covered on Kader Rins. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And finally. I just wanted to cover it because of the name. <laughs> Ninpen Manmaru. Manmaru, the ninja penguin. Okay. Apparently it's a hidden gem. I, I, some, people, right. some people were talking about this game that you've got to play. Yeah. Wuking Long from the forum says, The Sega Saturn was something of an enigma to me growing up. I knew about the Genesis. I knew about the Dreamcast, but I'm not sure I'd even heard about the Saturn prior to when I started university. As I only had Game Boys at home, I could only get a taste of home consoles at friends' houses for the longest time, and none of them ever had nor mentioned this machine. When I finally did become aware of this ill-fated machine's existence, I was so curious, I did some research, enjoyed the legendary Sagata Sanshiro uh, ad series, and that was that for a few years until a retro gaming collecting enthusiast friend afforded me the opportunity to play the console myself. He had a disc for loading the different regions' BIOS of the system, meaning we could play more than the somewhat limited North American library and was eager to show me a game our mutual friend had picked up for him while in Japan, an early 3D platformer called Ninpen Manmaru, the Ninja Penguin. It was unlike any 3D platformer I'd ever played with its strange tank-like turning and small, almost diorama-esque levels. I was fascinated and figured out how to emulate the game at home so I could play it through, roping in another friend to blind race it with me to see how fast we could beat it. What followed was hours of coming to grips with the movement mechanics of the game. Movement that once felt clunky and frustrating gradually became more fluid and quick. Jumps that were once impossible became second nature. I was hooked. In the months that followed, I practiced speedrunning the game regularly and on one fateful Saturday morning, sleep addled though I was, I beat the game in a time I felt did it justice to show how satisfying mastering the movement could be. It was a wonderful first impression of games on the Saturn. I was ready to play more Saturn titles, but unfortunately I did not own the console and other circumstances drew my attention away from Sega's ill-fated box. So all this time, to me personally, Saturn has remained the machine that plays Ninpen Manmaru. I acquired a Japanese Saturn recently, so perhaps it's time I changed this perception. Return Fire was completed and you can play it illegally, or possibly legally because it's probably abandonware, uh, but it was never officially released. And there's also a puzzle game which crops up occasionally on lists of cult classics called Noon, which 
I don't understand from looking at it, but it looks interesting. <laughs> and as always with these shows, we just like to cover off some of the games that you should probably avoid buying unless you're one of those people who has to buy every single game on a system. There was the notoriously poor port of Doom, which I mentioned earlier. There's a, there's a story behind that, though, isn't there, about what happened with John Carmack telling him to... Because it was originally ported well, and then there was a facet of the coding they were using right. that John Carmack took exception to, uh. so they had to take it out, and that's why it was nerfed. And to this hmm. day, um, I know John Romero has actually formally apologised. What happened? Because uh, it was apparently he said if it was up to me, I would have left it as it was, and it would be a much more palatable port. <laughs> there it is. Corpse Killer Graveyard Edition. One of the worst games on the Saturn also came out on a bunch of other systems. Is a is that like an FMV light gun Correct. shooter yeah, kind of thing? It's very bad. Yeah. It, it is very <laughs> bad. probably the kind of game that would be fun to stream, but not to pay money for. Yeah, mm. <laughs> <laughs> the Incredible Hulk, the Pantheon Saga, mm. the Crow, City of Angels. Ah, oh, I think I've seen a review of that one time. Yeah, that that looked pretty bad. Uh, it's yeah that that is why like if you like look around on reddit that is kind of one of the two that consistently gets mentioned as like categorically the two worst games on the Saturn. the other one is also on this list planet <laughs> joker which is not batman's joker it's a uh, it's a japanese shoot 'em up that has a quite mm. dismal reputation death crimson it's a light that's gun shooter one. right <laughs> i think that's a that's light gun shooter game. It had yeah, a Dreamcast follow-up, Death Crimson That's OX. It. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's an absolute shocker. If you've, if you've ever watched anything to do... One of, my, one of my things that I've got into now is just watching Sega Saturn playthroughs. It's so bizarre. I don't know where it started from. And this <laughs> this is a humdinger, because this, this is what it looks like if you take something that's like House mm. of the Dead in terms of art style, but it's fully remade by the one-week intern mm. <laughs> in a game studio who's trying to do everything himself. Mm. It's a shambles. Yeah. Excellent. Well done to Ecole Software. <laughs> uh, Battle Monsters. I mean... It's a digitized fighter, great right? Great name. I th- yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think actually... I mean, it's probably not great, but I think it's... Uh, it's a pretty funny game yeah. uh, to, to see and to play. Another stream-worthy yeah. title. Uh, sure. Yeah. Who made this? Kaneko or somebody? It was yeah. Kaga Create. Right. Whoever they were. And, uh, <laughs> and guess who are, picked yeah. it up for release in PAL Territories? Acclaim. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Right after Ali. And finally... Yeah. On the turkeys list, Virtual Hydlide, which I do remember seeing all over the place and avoiding because of the reviews. Um, it's a, uh, I, I suppose it's, uh, you could possibly get it confused with From Software's early earlier games like Kingsfield. Um, right. But possibly not as worthy of your investigation with no. not quite the legacy. <laughs> no. um, can I add one? Turkey, or a, yeah. yeah. Uh, I streamed this for reasons best known to myself. Uh, Shockwave Assault, I don't think we've mentioned this no. game. Uh, it's an EA game. Very bad. <laughs> it's got lots of FMV in it. 
Um, <laughs> you, should, you could also add Crazy Ivan. That's also quite bad. And Crazy not, Ivan, yeah. That was a PlayStation game that was everywhere. Yeah, yeah, but it's also on the Saturn as well. Mainly bad. Um, yeah, I think they're the two ones that really, like, sort of, like, sort of, yeah, no. Just no. How about that? Maybe Tunnel B1 as well. That should be there. <laughs> yeah that yeah i mean that yeah. it's not specifically associated with the saturn but uh <laughs> but if you want to play an even more boring version of an already boring game uh the saturn yeah. is probably the place to go because the, the colors aren't even as nice no, no, <laughs> and the polygons are wobbly <laughs> yeah, yeah possibly yeah. uh just a few a uh, couple of very quick mentions as we're running long as always with these shows Mikhail, um now i noticed actually there's been a there's been a massive cotton revival in recent times with yeah. loads of re-releases of varying qualities including some satin specific titles uh, but you wanted to mention cotton 2 in particular yeah there was the uh cotton saturn tribute that actually prompted me to see, seek out yeah. the original disc of cotton 2 because it uh, has a horrifying amount of input lag um yeah, so Cotton 2 um uh is actually actually uh, an STV uh, Saturn right. um exclusive built on that uh, hardware and making use of all its uh you know strengths and uh, overcoming its weaknesses. Um very beautiful pre-rendered side scrolling shoot 'em up with uh, the little witch Cotton uh, you know in the main uh, as the main player one character and um it's very it's very cool to play, uh, and it's very atypical of uh, side-scrolling shooters in that um, it's more about doing these sort of fighting game input commands to create special moves and then start bubble-sealing your enemies and then picking them up and tossing them around because your regular shots actually don't do that much damage. So it's uh, it's very different to play from other side-scrolling shooters. And one more, which is this was another arcade port, right? Yeah, from a, a very weird Taito side-scrolling beat-em-up called Puli Rula. Uh, came out on the Saturn as well under the Arcade Gears label uh, as Puli Rula Arcade Gears, yeah. You freaked uh, our friend Ben out with this game. I did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's quite a trip. And uh, yeah, yeah, me and my kids are quite fond of Check this it one. out, Puli Rula. Uh, yeah. Google it. See what see what see what happens, listener. Uh, final releases then in each territory. Magic Knight Ray Earth was the final game released in America for the Sega Saturn. In Europe, it was Deep Fear, the undersea survival horror. And in Japan, in two thousand, they got the game Yuku Gensokyuku Ozuban Perpetual Collection. It's perpetual. It is still there. Robin Enrico from our Patreon says, Sega Saturn was the system that hit me at a time in my life where I could be a console warrior. But how could you not root for the underdog, especially when it felt like it was where the most interesting things were happening? The last holdout for 2D sprite work, the only place for Sega arcade ports, a system that I could browse the dial-up internet with. You combine this with me importing the British Sega Saturn magazine to the US, writing terrible teenage game reviews for fan websites. They are still out there somehow as well as branching out into importing Japanese games for the first time, and you have a system that I couldn't help but want to evangelise. It felt like being part of a special club, but one you wanted everyone to join. Last year I finally sold my Saturn collection from high school, though I kept my four systems with ODEs. A lot of the library doesn't exactly hold up all these decades later. 
Games like Magic Knight Ray Earth that meant the world to me in 1998 feel dusty and quaint now. Even Pandra Dagoon Saga or Burning Rangers are more interesting for what they were trying to do than what they actually are. But having systems that I can lend out without having to lend out priceless heirlooms means that I can share this little pocket of Sega's ambition with others who appreciate the medium. I can only imagine what it might be like to discover these games in a modern context. I will always be happy to welcome people to the Sega Saturn Club. Lovely. I'm happy to be in the Sega Saturn Club. <laughs> um, let's summarise in fairly brief, as it's a long show, but uh, yeah. your encapsulating thoughts on the Sega Saturn. Let's start with Chris. Coming late to the party on it, but it doesn't detract from my affection towards it. There are many, many other games that I'd love to talk about that we haven't got time to. I mean, Magic Carpet Port was actually pretty good. The Wipeout games, yes, they do really belong on the PlayStation, but it did the reasonable job of actually arriving on a Saturn as well. That can't be denied. I do think um, it deserves the more attention than it's given. Uh, it is a, a very robust machine that still can keep going, unlike certain other machines. And um, <laughs> uh, it's it's really is worthy of people's attention considering the extraordinary roster of games that arrived and the quirkiness of the yes less developers that worked on it but those that did and who could make it sing really turned out stunning games that still hold up to this day so uh thank you sega for making a very strange and very uh, innovative console even if it innovated in Wrong ways or different ways, I should say. Unexpected ways, maybe. <laughs> there you go. Even better. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Uh, McHugh. Yeah, um, as I was saying in the beginning, uh, it took me quite a while to pick up a Sega Saturn. Uh, and now it's my most played vintage system, uh, pretty much. You know, Of course, I still played uh, Super Nintendo a lot and I played a Mega Drive a lot. But yeah, it's one that I turn on often. For a nice bit of uh, 2D shooting action, a nice bit of uh, finding game action, and any other curio that uh, I have in my library for it, um, it's I think it's really enriched my uh, my gaming life. Um, so uh, my very belated apologies uh, to Sega for not uh, being there when it really counted. Thanks, Mikhail. Uh Yeah, I still have my Sega Saturn, which tells you a lot because I don't keep all my legacy systems. Sometimes uh, I find that their libraries dwindle to such an extent that uh, that I'm happy to play their finest games elsewhere or there are other solutions, easier solutions and whatever else. So um, unlike uh, in particular uh, Chris and, and Mikhail, I don't hold on to absolutely everything. However, I'm more likely to re-expand my Saturn Games collection than I am to get rid of that particular console. Uh, there are some titles that I genuinely do regret having get, gotten rid of. There's there's quite a few that are now available to play elsewhere in, in, in at least as good shape, and I'm perfectly happy to do that, but there will always be that little clutch of titles that uh, that are first and foremost either associated with or only available on the Saturn. And yeah, if you're a fan in particular of some of the big genres of the 90s, 2D fighting games and shoot 'em ups in particular, as well as a load of kind of really interesting innovative experimental curios then uh, the Saturn, I, I would say is one of the most interesting machines that you can collect for um, with the library only 
being a total of around a thousand titles, it doesn't feel completely insurmountable or, or impenetrable. Um, but uh, hopefully some of the games we've talked about will give you some ideas as well as the the one the obvious ones, the fighters mega mixes and things like that. There's also some of those interesting niche quirks that uh, they're absolutely worth seeking out, um, preferably if you've got an RGB SCART cable and uh, and possibly a cathode ray tube yeah. TV as well for for optimal purposes. But um, but yes, you you know there are a number of setup options are available, and um, yeah, it's just a shame that it's not a particularly cheap thing to to get on board with now. But um, but worthwhile nonetheless. Yeah, one of my all time favorite consoles without a shadow of a doubt. Let's finish up with Carl. <laughs> so. The, the Saturn still feels a little bit like the great unknown. There's a whole grey area of content and games for it that, that even I, as a sort of an avid Saturn fan, weren't aware of that very recently I've started watching a lot of gameplay for that are absolutely fascinating little nuggets in time. Um, I'm thinking... So there's a, there's a, a speedrunner called Listar, and she plays all sorts of, of weird and wacky titles um, and two, she's ran relatively recently uh, on main stage that people might have watched are things like Three Dirty Dwarves yeah. or Mr. Bones. And they're both fascinating titles. Uh, Three Dirty Dwarves is actually full of character uh, and joy. And uh, I feel like a lot of the library is that way in Saturn that just didn't land at the time. Um, that I have a far more appreciation for right now. And, you know, it as a console... And I say a mystery, and I think maybe some of that stems from the fact that it took so long to sort of hack and get around from a emulation perspective, which is only relatively recently that that's that's happened. I think in, the, in about the last five six years, so that took a long time to get around the way that, that things did on this console. And you know, we we talk about all these games that are fun. We've gone through a huge list, and obviously we've tried to avoid the ones that we've covered in the past. And yes, there's a lot of bad versions. I mean, Doom's a shocker. And, uh, you know, the, the, there was a lot of fluff and a lot of stuff that was a naff version of something right. you could get a good version of on PlayStation, and that absolutely harmed it. Uh, but through it all, this is the console that has Sega Rally, um, which instantly makes it <laughs> a classic machine because that is a classic game um, that that played brilliantly on it at the time am- amongst many others. Um, it's just... It, it it seemed to just fall away in the same way that my beloved Dreamcast did. In the same way, it, it it's just a relatively sad return that that Sega didn't maybe get the love. And I'm equally as guilty. I mean, I wasn't as late as Mikel, so I think we can probably blame the death of the of Sega mm. maybe yeah. on, on, on him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, it's all my but, fault. Yeah, <laughs> but. As a console, I, th- I think the Saturn actually holds up far more than a lot of other retro machines. And yes, it was. I think it sold, and I think the PlayStation sold eleven times more hardware units. But I would absolutely recommend the Sega Saturn over the PlayStation at this point in time because its classics are die-hard classics, many of which you just don't get on other systems. Um, and and if you're a two D fighter fan, then you just it's Nirvana for the the classic traditional two D fighters. It's a stunning machine. It was built incredibly well. Uh, it has, up until recently, in my opinion, the best D-pad that we've had on a, on a, mm. on a standard controller. Um, it's, it's just a, such a quality machine um, that, sadly, I didn't 
I'm I'm as guilty as anyone. I didn't appreciate enough at the time. The Sega Saturn is absolutely tremendous. If you ever get the chance to play one, own one, borrow one from a friend, preferably give them it back, um, then I cannot recommend this console enough. It it it's just it has some genuine amazing classics. Lovely stuff. Yes, I did love my Saturn at the time. You Johnny come latelys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still sad that I had to sell it to pay for university. You're going to say something else, but university fees, whatever you say. Uh, yeah, uh, right. It remains for me, Leon, to thank Chris Carr McKeel for your input and time, as well as all of our correspondents from the forum and from our Patreon. Thank you to Editor Jay for stitching it all together and taking out the annoying rubbish parts, and well, most of them. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider that Patreon, patreon.com slash rinse. And if you do, you'll get our next format special right now. There's been a bit of a gap between the last one and this one, just because, you know, the world's been a bit mad, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll try to get them back into quarterly release schedule, but uh, we won't make too many guarantees just in case. Anyway, there'll be another one along when we are good and ready but until then enjoy satin gaming and whatever else you're doing and take care we are five years away from entering the 21st century humankind stands on the edge of the interactive age you have come a long way but are you ready for the future Introducing Sega Saturn. Aww. Hit it! Sega's next-generation gaming platform. Revolutionary sports and arcade gameplay. All with amazing new 3D experiences never before possible on home game systems. Wow. 